0: This week and out now with Aaron and Abe, we're talking Meg2: The Trench and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Mutant Mayhem. Anything that comes to mind. <laughs> We are now recording. This is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and unfortunately, Abe is not here. He uh, is has been called away on assignment. But Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I am going to discuss new movies weekly. We dig into movies with the most inspiring review, the occasional commentary track, or some other fun movie topic. This is episode 544. Five, four, four. It's, it's getting up there. And uh, this week we have got another double header. We're talking Meg Two, Colin the Trench. And Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, colon, Mutant Mayhem. All of those words. And joining me to discuss such things we have, from movies, films, and flicks, and Deep Blue Sea, the podcast, currently working to cash in on Mario's success and his love for jet
1: skis by developing a Wave Race 64 movie. It's Mark Hoffmeyer. So I made a big mistake. I went hunting after megalodons on a jet ski, and now I'm inside of one stomach. It just swallowed me whole. So I hope my audio is okay in here. Just...
2: Can you like it's... tickle it and make it sneeze? <laughs> well, I've, I've been
1: like, it, it, it seems to like it. So I, I've tried everything, but I guess there's like someone got had a hot spot that they were, they were swallowed whole too. So I'm using their hot spot inside of this megalodon stomach. I'm glad you you made sure to make the logic make sense here. It's like, so yeah. it's like, at least we
0: understand why the Wi-Fi is so good. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. I that
2: you've told me that story. The dresser drawer in the background is raising many questions. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, the uh, monster. In, in is a like houseboat. Yep. Like a... <laughs> also joining us from the rap. He has, in fact, seen a turtle to get down, as well as turtles slamming and jamming to the new swing
2: sound. It's Scott Mendelson. You may discuss movies weekly. But I discuss movies strongly. <laughs> okay. That joke only like, took 12 years to make.
0: Scott, uh, go Scott, go <laughs> go. Always
2: a pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: Glad to have you both here. Of course, we uh, we frequently have you guys on the uh, the commentary track. Scott, it's been a minute since we had you on like a show proper. So, Correct. I'm glad we had you on for two of the, the, the most anticipated films of the summer. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Meg 2. The trend certainly
2: is by you two, which is why I have you on this podcast. You're not yeah. wrong. I mean, yeah. um but I have to say, now that I'm not, you know, doing box office reporting in the mornings, Sunday morning is great because my kids don't care.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, Mark, glad to have you here as well. Of course, I, I know you know your fondness for things taking place at sea, uh, which which Meg too at least has many of. <laughs>
1: certainly yeah. would certainly perk your interest in any scenario this one goes the meg to the trench goes two for three on the hoffmeyer scale of greatness so it features a sea beast and a jet ski if it had a catapult it would be three for three mm. water world's the only movie to do that but i'll take two out of three the only so bo- really the only movie yeah. to do really? that i've discovered that has a catapult a sea beast and a jet ski because yeah. deep I'm rising's curious. two They'll out of three like uh, zohan has two out of the three I don't know if there's a catapult in Zohan. Wait, wait, you be. don't mess with the Zohan? Yeah, he takes, there's a jet ski action scene with John Turturro and yes. they yes. piranhas and they put them in their pants. So yeah. I count that as a sea, sea creature.
2: <laughs> I'll, I'll allow that. I actually, I like that one more than most of his goofy comedies.
0: Yeah. I love that um, movie. It's got its bits that I like quite a bit in that movie. <laughs> I... uh I, I do like what it's like the silly sound movies that like he tries to do something different like that, that movie feels like a very deliberate to be like what if I did a character
2: that's this <laughs> like a sometimes little... they're a little Nicky and that doesn't quite work out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sometimes exactly. they're so hot and they do
1: yeah. Yeah. Scrappy Coco wasn't that his nickname when he moved to the States and pretended <laughs> to be a hairdresser
0: yes yeah. <laughs> alright well, movie! I, I am glad to have you both here uh, we have plenty of stuff to go over um, so we're we're gonna we're gonna do that now. First up, we have Scott here, which makes the 11th annual summer movie gamble uh, so much more fun to talk about Fuck. because we have, of course, box oh, office no. expert Scott Mendelson and perennial <sighs> box office summer game hey. loser Scott Mendelson here. Well. I haven't been on the beat in
1: like a year, <laughs> so I have some. <laughs>
0: well, of course, this is where we uh, we we talk about the films that we predict to go to to do well at the at the summer box office. We all have our predictions for the top ten domestically. Hmm. And of course, you go for involved along with many other frequent guests and Abe. Of course, uh, we've had another big week at the box office. Oh. Uh, briefly, briefly, Scott, what 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 what
2: made some money uh, this week? Um, well, Barbie was, and I'm not looking at the list, so for I can bring. it up. I have it. I can oh, Okay, yeah. uh, Barbie was number one again with I think 53 million. Yeah. Which again, I I don't have the list on me. That's got to be one of the biggest third weekends of all time. Uh, it has done. 455 domestic 1.03 billion worldwide that i do know uh which means it is now the second or the yeah the second biggest movie ever for warner brothers in north america behind the dark knight and it's, and it's about is, 100 million away from that a little under the, about 80 million it is the, and it is it's
0: the fastest for warner brothers to oh get yeah to a it's gonna
2: it's going to eclipse the dark knight it's it's worldwide is behind only Aquaman 1.1 billion and Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2 1.345 billion which isn't certain. I mean it's likely, you know, ironically that and Mario Brothers both made about 1.35 $1. billion dollars. So when it, it beats one it'll beat the other too in terms of if it obviously if it as Mario Brothers it'll be the biggest grossing movie globally of the year and Unless I'm the only person on Earth who's right about Aquaman, I think it's probably going to be number one for the you know whichever, you know, it's going to be one and two. I don't see anything that's coming anywhere near what these films have made.
0: Well, Scott, your your predictions for number one have been dead on so far this year. So we'll see what happens.
2: How did I know that Dead Reckoning
1: (laughs) was going to suck?
2: That was that's crazy. That's (laughs) I look at the
1: box (laughs) office for Dead Reckoning and I'm like, what? What is this? Like, where? what world am I in? I
2: mean, again, I, I can't say, ha-ha, I'm brilliant, because here's... I'm going to explain it, because obviously I didn't see this ahead of time. I I think Dead Reckoning... And again, most people liked it more than I did. I'm not going to be a dick about that. <laughs> um, But I think when I was talking about, you know, both in the beginning of the summer and as the summer went on, you had these films, you know, Rise of the Beast, Indiana Jones 5, uh, The Flash. You had films that were used to be a big deal but were now just oh this franchise installment exists just because whatever and we saw a lot of that in 2016 too and he had new versions of ninja turtles uh independence day ghostbusters born um x-men that were doing middling to lousy box office because you know those films used to be special but now they were just this week's court appointed franchise temple um and you know i mean not I was right on the flash in Indiana Jones being softer than the internet projected. However, I was raw also wrong to assume, you know. I think most moviegoers viewed Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One more in that ecosystem than I anticipated.
0: Mm-hmm. Well. With all that in mind, we got to keep moving. Mission Impossible made like six million. It's at 150. Uh, yeah, it's
2: it's gonna do about one sixty, 160, maybe one sixty-five domestic unadjusted for inflation. Cause I mean, it's it's a genuine disappointment. And when you factor in the budget, which this one because you know COVID, inflation, et cetera, et cetera, cost 290 million dollars. What you're seeing a lot of this summer was what in the old 90s entertainment weekly days used to be called a disappointment in relation to cost.
0: Yeah, but they—they're still reeling in from all the money Cruise made them for, for Top Gun. Oh, be, absolutely! They'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, and that's sure. why
2: you know they weren't going to tell him no when he wanted to, you know, say add the submarine film scene from the first film instead of the second one. And they're not going to tell him no when Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Two comes around because they want to keep him in their wheelhouse. So that so so that's all that with mission Mission Impossible. So <laughs> I got distracted by the that MI stuff. It's, it's
0: basically irrevel- irrelevant.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Insidious Five for becoming the highest fifth entry in the yeah. franchise. I, I just did the math. Like, even I haven't done the inflation yet, but because the Final Destination up there. Five is at one. I think it's at one fifty-five. Final Destination Five. So it, I haven't figured in inflation yet, but give it a couple more weeks. Just in general, it might be the biggest. Fifth entry in a horror franchise, and what what was the budget? 10 million? I love this. I love this scrappy franchise. It makes me so happy. Yeah, the ROI is insane. That's correct.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, because part five is usually where they start dropping, like, you know, Nightmare and Freddy and all that, or Nightmare and Friday 13th and Halloween and what have you. And I looked at oh, the last key, it made like 174 yeah, mil- million with Lynn Shea. With Lynn yeah. Shea
1: is the lead. Like, I think it's the highest grossing film with like a 73 year old lead. Like, <laughs> and I'm not hating, like, I'm, like she's amazing that's no, earned it. But like, I, I mean, never it, it, we Jones, talked I about guess, that right back in the horror, horror, horror film, horror yeah. film, sure. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's a big opening for that. And like, I don't know, I dig it. I love that. I, I love that franchise. It's a little,
2: you know, it, it's constantly overshadowed in the discourse by The Conjuring, but it certainly pulls its weight on its own terms.
1: That second one stressed me out so much. I love the theater. I like the
2: second one a lot.
1: Yeah. I still haven't recovered. It really it was <laughs> nerve wracking. It's like a fun house on a volcano on a roller coaster. What did the leg me, make? Uh, $30 million, <laughs> which really is a keep going. one sorry. third
2: drop from the last one, which did around 45 million opening weekend. That's not a shock uh a you're gonna have the folks who were just curious the first time factor um and you're gonna have people that didn't like the first meg enough to say nope i'm not watching the second one um you also have obviously barb you know barbie and oppenheimer is sucking a lot of the oxygen out of the room um you know warner brothers is winning either way in that sense um one interesting bit of of, of trivia is that it opened with 53 million in china which uh, is slightly more than the 50 million the first meg opened to which makes it the third film since covid or since 2019 third hollywood film to open bigger than its respective predecessor after avatar 2 and godzilla v Clock. what else is happening uh, oppenheimer made 28 million yes 28 million at 228.5 domestic it is it's gonna flirt with 300 at this point which is insane um, and globally, I, it's it's past 500 million. All this on a 100 budget, give or take.
0: Um, yeah, everybody, at Universal's happy. What's yeah, yeah, they're when,
2: holy shit. What
0: turtles do? Uh,
2: turtles, uh, 28 over three days, 43 over five days, which is about in line with optimistic projections. The reviews are good, the cinema score is great. I see little reason this isn't gonna leg out like a motherfucker well into the school year. <laughs> Uh, it only costs $70 million. So it's going to be a solid, solid way to revive mm. an otherwise past its prime, you know, franchise. And I think that's what Paramount, you know, Jeremy wrote about this in the rap. But, you know, I think Paramount is looking at animation as a way to sort of keep certain franchises like Ninja Turtles and Transformers in the ecosystem without having to spend $200 million every time.
1: That's like illumination spending for that. They went pretty cheap to begin with, did they not? Like, yes, and they still that's are. Smart. They still yeah. Do,
2: yeah, they make bank. Um, and you know, the first Spider-Man cost I think ninety million dollars, mm-hmm. and I don't know what the second one did offhand, but I think it was like one hundred and twenty or something—something something very reasonable considering.
0: Given that Pixar movies cost like two hundred million, yes, that's, yeah, uh, that's impressive. Which you know,
2: I, I have very mixed feelings about that because on one hand. In this ecosystem, that's way too much to spend on an original animated film or almost almost any animated film. But wow, the money's on the screen. <laughs> yeah, like how to train your dragon. That movie looks amazing. That's yeah. expensive. Um and speaking of elemental, that has made 425 million worldwide, more than Indiana Jones 5. Ha, ha ha Um, and about twice, you know, it'll double light year
0: globally. It certainly saved face after what seems yes. to be an un. Unimpressive an opening, and um, you know,
2: there's a case to be made that it is the one taking the hit to reacclimate audiences to seeing Pixar movies in theaters, okay. and that Elio, which actually has a great elevator pitch, um, is going to benefit in March.
0: Okay, let's see. Honda Mansion dropped 63%, made another 8 billion. It's basically, basically DOA.
2: You know, you shouldn't uh, have made
0: another one of those in the first place. Uh, you know. Sound of Freedom had knocked in another seven million, um, uh, one hundred sixty-three so far. It dropped forty-five percent. It bleeds. We can kill it. Where, um, where does this end? One eighty.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, two hundred. It did drop forty-five percent, so I, you know, it's starting to act like a normal movie. You know, it's it's starting to lose screens a little bit. So, I mean, does it get to four hundred? Ah, four hundred. Does it get to two hundred million domestic? It's going to be close. Is it international um, at all? Does it have a worldwide? Not yet. It will eventually, okay. but normal rate of decline, which this film otherwise was not taking up to this point, so bear with me. You know, means it gets to about one hundred and seventy-five. Okay. Which is
0: insane. I mean, yeah, any, any anything above like fifty is already insane. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> so I, I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I,
2: I did the very rough math yesterday just for curiosity. If you take up the what bar- Barbie and Oppenheimer and Sound of Freedom were expected to do optimistically, which let's say Barbie and Oppenheimer both do about 150 give or take domestic, and then Sound of Freedom would have been thrilled with $50 million that would have been on par with like Breakthrough, you know, back in 2019 when that was a Fox movie, you know, the and versus what they're actually going to make. The domestic box office got like an extra $850 million this in the last couple months. And that's yeah. more than enough to account for. Oh, no, Flash and Mission Impossible and Indiana Jones didn't do as well as we hoped.
0: All right. Uh, let's see. Not for that it's going to really impact the gamble, yeah. but talk to me. Uh, another 6 million, 22 total on a A24, an A24. That's a terrific
2: like... 40% drop for an R-rated star-free horror film.
0: Yeah. And having seen
2: it, I can see why. Yeah. It is compelling. It is interesting. And we're seeing in a theater.
0: And I think it's crowd-pleasing in the right kind of way when it comes yes. to horror movies um all right that's i think there's plenty of box office talk but thank you scott for having your added perspective in here because you do that uh, <laughs> <laughs> when the opportunity still allows let's uh let's move on now let's get some uh, actually no they have more <laughs> more show notes that was just one thing uh new commentary track you guys are involved in these uh we do a commentary track every month. that's always fun this summer we've been doing superhero summer which has been a lot of fun we've been talking about various superhero movies celebrating various anniversaries we just did the dark knight um and uh this coming month this month now it's august we're in august now we're doing blade 1998's blade celebrating its 25th anniversary uh this should be a lot of fun stay tuned for that one you'll be able to find that episode when we record it once it's released on itunes and spotify where you can uh give us a rating interview just search for our show click on the old tab write some some things and there you go you've done it Thank you in advance that'd be great pop us up in the charts i can't wait to talk about blade i'm excited to talk about blade I, what a pop- movie Obviously, honestly, I'm always excited to talk about Blade, you know, we're we're we my, my all-time right favorite. just to talk about Blade. I'd be like, yeah, let's do that. But uh, my best theatrical experiences. Well, yeah, I look forward to hearing
1: about this. Not now, later.
0: Yeah, later. <laughs> yes, later. Um, but yeah, that's that's going to be fun to get into. Um, let's see. Yeah, that's it for show notes. Let's move on now. Let's get let's get to some cookies cookies. Team Each week. Now, now we will move the way they talk about their cookies. All right. Uh, Mark let's go to you
1: first what have you seen recently The Whaling.
0: So oh, I've watched okay. it before
1: but I'm doing an episode on it This week for movies from the flicks uh, The 2016 film South Korean film and it's just It's so good it's it's just Two hours 36 minutes doesn't matter Who cares it's incredible it flies by It's really layered it builds well It's performed well it goes Places so yeah that's it I love The Whaling, and I can't wait to talk about it It's just a really cool movie so yeah, that's what I watched recently. Nothing new because I've just been busy with other assignments, but hmm. I was able to prep for that because I'm recording an episode, but I love The wailing.
0: Anything you calculated lately? Of note? Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah. I got, I'm, I got a thing about Cold Stallone, about how his movies are better when he's cold. <laughs> I just did. Um, I figured out the elevation of all the A24 horror movies just to make a joke about elevated horror. <laughs> I figured out. I figured out the biggest. Fan- it's good. This is
2: important shit. I want to watch it or read that one.
1: Uh, Hereditary is number one because it takes place in parts of Utah, and it's the highest grossing. So the A twenty four horror shit, film. That- <laughs> right. A twenty four horror film that takes place in the highest altitude made the most money. And Midsummer's number two, which also it- is high altitude. which is the second highest. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, like the the highest grossing. A24- kind of blows my mind.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Are there <laughs> any- one? it's a one note joke, but uh, that's what I do. Are there any then, cave, a 24 horror movies?
0: <laughs> oh, man,
1: And uh, let's see, I, I do the biggest fandoms for, I have a video for that. And then, yeah, I got some fun data that I'm pitching a ringer. And then I got some fun stuff coming up. Fun I'll
0: stay, stuff. I'll stay tuned because it's always exciting to see these, uh, these various things, how they shake out. Yeah. Uh, but that one got me right there. I love it at horror. That's fun. <laughs> It's so um,
1: stupid in one note, but that's it. When, when you enjoy it, it's
2: not work, you know. Like of course,
0: like, yeah, yeah. All right, uh, back to the podcast. Slave Mind, Scott. What did you? Uh, what have you watched recently?
2: <laughs> um, as I you know, I saw Talk to Me on Friday, which I enjoyed quite a bit. Um, that is a genuinely engrossing and. Theatrical. I mean, it looked, you know, it's a $5 million movie, but it was shot in Australia. And obviously they can let the, you know, they can stretch the dollar and it feels big in a way that said yes, you should see this on a big screen if you have the time. Um, And that's always a nice thing to, you know, I liked Watcher a lot last year, but what I really liked is like, yeah, this looks great on a huge screen. Random thought, I was waiting to fly home from Ohio and I ended up watching uh, Ali Sheedy's Fear on Tubi. Because, you know, my pleasure thing is now finding old school slocky programmers on Tubi that I never you know I heard of but never got around to seeing. It's not a great movie by any stretch of the imagination, but it kind of reminds me how much I miss Balker's terrific high concepts. The high concept of this one is she is a this movie, I think 88, 89. She is a psychic who uses her psychic abilities to help the police catch criminals. Okay, fine. The gimmick is she then gets stalked by a serial killer who, haha, is also a psychic and uses that to fuck with her. And is it a great movie? No, but it's a great idea for a movie. So it's fun to watch that play out regardless. If well, I was an executive
1: um, and I heard that pitch, that high concept pitch, I would be like, make it. Just yeah, go. exactly. Like,
2: here's your money.
1: <laughs> here's five mil. Yeah. A psychic who helps the police is stalked by a psychic serial killer.
2: Yeah. No, yeah I, I don't want to oversell it. it the, the, the film isn't as good as its hook, but its hook is so good that it's, you know, it's engrossing and watchable anyway.
1: It's like Dark Angel. Dol- oh, Dark- it's a TV movie.
0: That's why I can't find it so easily. Was it? Yes. That's fair. It's a t- I 1990 it a, TV movie. It's something
2: it. you know, I'd see on the video shelf but never got around to actually grabbing it.
0: Ali Sheedy, Laura Hutton, Michael O'Keefe, Stan Shaw. All right. Yeah. Pru- Pruitt Tampervance uh-huh. as Shadow
2: Man. All right. <laughs> Mark, do you watch Star Trek? No. Fair enough. Never mind. They had a big musical episode on Strange New World, and I was just floored by how good it was. It was basically the best, I would argue, the best musical TV episode since uh, Buffy, you know, once more with Feeling 20 years ago. Oh, wow. Okay. I anyway. to just watch the episode? Sure. Why not? Oh, okay. I mean, it's harmless. It's an owl. I love ball. a good
0: musical. Um,. I like anyway. yeah, we, we are, we are an open and accepting podcast of all stripes, but Abe and I have just no interest in Star
1: Trek. This <laughs> is not a thing for us. No, I'm I, 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 not I, against anyone
2: know. that likes it. It's just like eh, it doesn't come up. And and i think- oh, sorry. I mean, I'm generally, in terms of my trickiness, it's mostly the movies. I started watching. Ironically, I like Strange New Worlds because it reminds me of the Orville. Okay, <laughs> I in, do like the Orville <laughs> in terms of being aspirational and optimistic, and sure. and. and But anyway, I thought I was going to have to watch all of Star Trek.
1: Somebody wanted to pay me to see if the red shirt thing was true to watch every single episode of Star Trek and log all the red shirts and all the other shirts and like the who dies where. And when I sent them how much I thought it would cost for me to do it, they never got back to me. Yeah. So,
2: uh, no, otherwise, it would be none of my business. But I'm, you know what? Never mind. You can tell me. Yeah, I'm yeah. curious what that number was. And I'd be shocked if somebody hasn't already tabulated that. So
1: Someone did the first season. They wanted oh, me to okay. do every single season with every single like instance mm-hmm. and rank and everything. Yeah.
2: And Oh, God.
1: Yeah. So I thought for a second I might. But I never
0: <laughs> did. Well, I've seen a number of things that I want to make mention of real quick. First up is River Wild. Um this, right, is a, to, yes. this is a reimagining of The River Wild, and while that movie stars, that original movie stars Meryl Streep, Kevin Bacon, David Strathairn, it's probably by default the better movie just because of that star power, but this movie is surprisingly pretty good, like, I, I really like what it does, it's well shot, it's 90 minutes, it takes the basically just like the bare essentials as far as there's a river, they're rafting, somebody's bad. That's it. It doesn't really replicate. Is it wild? It, it, there are some wild rapids. It doesn't really replicate the plot of the original movie. So it does its own thing. And it's pretty effective. And I was impressed far more than I thought it would be when it comes to kind of Universal's DTV division that has given us things like Bulletproof 2 and other like random sequels to like. <laughs> past uh, uh, IP. Uh, uh. It's on Netflix now. I recommend it. It's a solid thriller. Um, not a solid thriller at all is Hidden Strike The oh. Jackie Chan, John yeah. Cena film That was made like five years ago That just got released, dumped onto Netflix and It's directed by Scott Waugh
1: Oh, Need for Speed Need for Need Speed, for Scott Wa,
0: And Act of Valor, Scott Wa. This movie is not the answer to that This movie was bad um,
1: Imogen Poot should have been involved She makes everything better <laughs> I liked her Need for Speed
2: I Yes, that didn't help hurt <laughs>
1: And Even the blooper reels don't involve Jackie Chan doing stunts, it's
0: just him, no, like, it's, was, just, it's just him it was, flooding lines, and it's like, well, that's not fun. <laughs> much
2: and skip, and what
1: Trace what's, instead,
2: what's skip oh, trace yes. is the least
1: enjoyable to that, a degree, it,
2: but, as, as strange as this sounds, that's what the you know, Skip Trace is what this wants to be. Yeah, mm-hmm. this um, needed more
0: Knoxville energy. And
2: what's <laughs> weirdly frustrating is that I would argue Jackie Chan's final fight scene is actually kind of cool, yeah, so it's like where was this energy the rest of the movie you numbnuts yeah um
0: there's a movie called Un- the unknown country that arrived in like limited release it stars lily gladstone who was in Certain women and is in the upcoming killers of the flower's moon with uh, scorsese of course there's a little movie she made like a year or two ago uh, with a director whose name escapes me offhand she's a documentary filmmaker um it's uh marissa maltz it's a neat little movie uh she has the uh, Gladstone does like the co-story credit on it it's essentially a road trip film where she has like she wants to um she's grief. she's in grief essentially and she's like driving back to like deal with that but like during this journey as she stops at like restaurants and gas stations or whatnot every now and then you meet like a character like a waiter or the gas station employee or whatnot and it does a thing like the best I can think of is like uh like Run Lola Run, where it like stops the movie in its tracks to give you the story of who this person is. Here's the waiter and like them just like giving a monologue about what their life is. And it's really neat. It's set specifically right after the 2016 election, I believe. Uh either that uh, or the 2020, I think it's the 2016 election, though. So it has a certain it has a certain place of time as a Native American woman drives through middle America. It's doing that very deliberately. But it has these like just these optimistic little vignettes of these real people, which makes it feel like Nomad in its own way. It's also shot very well. They very reminded me much of Nomad It's neat. It's a good little movie that like is arriving at the time where like Gladstone's about to probably blow up from you know being with Leo in a Scorsese film. Um so good movie. Unknown Country. Um lastly I never watched this when it came out um but now because uh Paul Rubens passed away, which we can talk about a little bit here, I finally watched Pee-wee's big holiday. Unstint checks in <laughs> I, <Sorry. laughs> I finally watched peewee's big holiday um the uh you know the the i guess the third peewee movie right there's only three uh, yeah um you know it's not directed by burton obviously it's directed by john lee it's produced by apatow uh this movie's very enjoyable uh i don't know if you guys have you guys seen big holiday
2: Mm-mm. it slipped by my my kids had no interest so it it, it, yeah
0: it, it hit netflix a few years back i never watched it until now but it's it's a very enjoyable, like Pee-wee movie. It obviously doesn't have like the the visual flair that Burton brings to Big Adventure, but it does the job, and it's such a good reminder of like the <laughs> humor that Pee-wee brought in, um, you know, its heyday. It also has a terrific Joe Manganiello in a supporting role as himself, and it's wonderful. It's the best thing. I, you know, I grew up watching uh, Pee Wee's Playhouse with my dad. I remember specifically, like, having a lot of, like, fun doing, like, just, and like, even bringing that, when he brought it up, when he brought up that Paul Rubens passed away. You know, my my dad, like, he, he sees plenty of movies with me, and he could give a shit about, like, Marvel movies and stuff, but, like, he's off the bat, like, remember those movies, Pee Wee's Big Adventure and Big Top Pee Wee, like, those are polls. like it's easy enough to bring up the first one the fact that he brought up big top Pee like, it's, like, it's like clearly there's an impact there and i you know i i certainly was a fan of peewee and like and paul rubens it's like like when he's around in a movie it's certainly uh i think he was certainly added to it as opposed to subtracted uh, just because he has a unique comedy presence but uh you know it, 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 we've all heard the news at this point as far as he had cancer for multiple years and was holding that back and whatnot but it was a uh, you know it, you know you, you you lose somebody like that where it's like yeah i don't know him personally but like it certainly had an impact on my childhood and i uh, just wanted to bring that up you guys had any, any uh, thoughts on on paul rubens
2: i was 11 when he was arrested for masturbating in a por- in a porn theater in florida and i remember even then i was like this isn't that big of a deal why are we pretending that this is a huge deal? And I'll be honest, at first when I read the story, I thought he had like gotten drunk or high on drugs and in the porn theater, like went up on stage and dropped his pants and started doing a show. You know, genuinely, you know, indecent exposure. Like, okay, that's you probably shouldn't do that. But then when I read, it, he was basically got caught fiddling himself. It's like, who gives a shit? And it was shocking to you know, thirty years later, it's still shocking to me that he never really had a comeback. Um, I mean, he worked, and as far as I know, he didn't die impoverished or anything like that, but, you know, it, even 30 years later, it was always like a happy surprise to see him in something. It's like, oh, good, he's still out there. He can still get booked somewhere, and, you know, it, it, even now, it was sort of one of my first, as a kid, you know, acknowledgments of, okay, there's a real issue with culture in terms of what is seen as harmful versus what is not and you know it was the very essence of a victimless crime and yet you know because people that should know better couldn't disassociate you know the character he played with this regular flesh and blood human being with who was gay I mean I don't think he came out too many years later but you know even then it was like okay he's probably gay um and it's like not to toot my own horn and not to toot my own horn but it's like I'm 11 and I could figure that out why couldn't you people and that always was, you know, very weird moment and realization that culture had some very skewed and fucked up priorities. End of rant.
1: Mark, any thoughts on ballrooms? That motorcycle scene in the <laughs> first Pee-Wee is one of the funniest moments of cinema history to me. Just watching the lo- the wide shot, watching watching him drive away and just the wipe out. That's not the song, but, you know, like like just the, the wipe out. And like, I meant to do just... That's one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. So yeah, I, I I think about that scene often. I love that movie, even Big Top. Like Dunson checks in, Mystery Men. Like, I dig it all. Like I, I love seeing it on screen. But that motorcycle, <laughs> <laughs> it's like the fun, I've wiped out on a motorcycle before, so I know what it's like to get on a motorcycle for the first time. Like you're not going to be like Nick Cage in Con Air, um, or John Cusack from Con Air. But yeah, no, it's, it's just a funny Cage and of, ghostwriter for yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> JCVD and hard target when he stands and he surfs on it. Uh, but it's, um, it's one of the funniest moments I think I've ever seen in my life. So, you know, there are it's a great few, memory.
0: there are a few sustained sequences of comedy for me that are funnier than him in the movie at the end with James Brolin, um, as background artist <laughs> and, <laughs> just and they dub over his voice and everything but he's still like hogging the camera as much as he can like it's just there's a lot of like big Peewee's big adventures like people talk about Burton and I feel like it doesn't get the attention that it should get because it's a very 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 funny debut film and very clever and everything but yeah it's, it's hilarious
1: funny. the bar scene like all that it's beautiful
0: uh-huh. yeah just wanted to talk about Paul Rubens for a second let's see he passed away recently uh okay well that's enough quickies let's move on to another perennial child as we told into our trailer talk we talk about one of the news movies trailers of the week well we thought about what have you and this week we're talking wonka this is of course the upcoming prequel musical fantasy film starring timothy chalamet as willie wonka in a film directed by paul king of the paddington movies um features a number of people in the supporting roles or what have you it's supposedly supposed to come out this december scott
2: do you have any interest in a wonka film did this trailer excite no. you no and especially not this one and the reason and again marketing is marketing the movie is the movie you know sometimes they don't mesh but the marketing feels to me like what's I find problematic about a lot of pop culture IP exploitations these days, in which you're taking something that was supposed to be just a G-Wiz romp and treating it like mythological biblical text. You know, it's like I, 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 I. The the trailer takes this all so seriously and so sincerely. You know, it's it's you've we've all see, read the book and we've all seen both Willy Wonka movies. He's kind of a, you know, he's not a superhero. He's not a You know, he's a somewhat goofy, delusional, weirdo businessman in the idea that we're supposed to find him this inspirational, aspirational figure. Oh, he's this wonderful person who's standing up to evil big business. And I, you know, not to be horribly cynical, but he's nice because he lets a young black girl tag along with him. I mean, that to me is the most cynical kind of, you know, would-be inclusivity you can imagine, I would argue. Um, do, you think, and that, do
0: you think it's possible that the marketing is certainly playing up this angle where... I hope so. I mean, you're a fan of Paddington and Paddington yes. 2, which, which is both the director and the writers of this film. Would you think that there's possibly a chance they're subverting this to
2: some degree? I hope so, and I will happily... You know this. You've known me for long enough that, you know, I'll happily eat crow if I'm wrong about this, where the movie turns out to be something much more interesting and richer and less... Naval gazing, I guess, for lack of a better word. Um, It was weird because we saw sizzle footage at the 2022 CinemaCon, which I thought was a lot livelier and peppier and and slightly less full of itself. So again, I am hopeful that this trailer is just, you know, trying to present it as sort of the, 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 for lack of a better term, the Force Awakens of, you know, or the, the, what's a prequel that people actually liked? The Phantom Menace of Wonka movies.
0: Oh yeah, that's Uh, the one people liked, yeah. (laughs)
2: <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> is a sequel,
0: yeah. Um, the rise of the Planet of the Apes of Willy Wonka movies.
2: Yes, I, yeah.
1: <laughs> Insidious
2: I
0: mean, three, the Insidious three of Wonka movies. Um, but the Temple know, visually, of, Doom of Wonka it, movies.
2: and visually, it doesn't look nearly as colorful as I was expecting, which is worrying because that's you know see, we, obviously we've watched the trailer on our laptop and I've also seen it on a Dolby screen, which is probably as good as it's gonna look give or take IMAX and you know it does feel grayer than I'd think um, and again it, I'm judging the trailer not the movie because you're right he directed both Paddington movies he's got the benefit of the doubt um, but from what we've seen and this is the kind of classic nobody actually wanted this IP exploitation and what I find interesting is that they are playing this as a seek prequel to the 1971 Willy Wonka movie that was basically a box office disaster at its time, and not no the... one cares about that.
0: <laughs> no, I do not a, not a single person is like. Oh no, 1971's Willy Wonka, childhood favorite for many, <laughs> many people, didn't make enough money in 1971, therefore I shouldn't care about this. That is, well, not, a, it, that is not a leap anyone is taking at all for this movie. I am. They, because they can, they can it dislike says the something idea about of this for any other
2: reason except that, that one. That, that they're not me. mimicking the, you know, the Tim Burton movie that made a half a billion dollars in 2005. Who 2005? talks
0: about the Tim Burton movie positively today?
2: Tell me, one per-
0: tell me one person besides you and brandon they're both like, finally Willie my students Wonka. talk
1: about it a lot i get a lot of when i, I teach production design really? for I, every semester i have a student who picks that movie for their presentation
0: okay so nerds are you being a <laughs> production, production design nerd scott and Brandon. Because i like it time. but i'd be inclined to green. i like it too yeah, I'd i do to agree know, with Aaron it, in terms of its discourse but the only thing i think about is the Christopher Lee
2: stuff was boring like that's that's that, that's that regard I have for the, the, the Tim Burton so yeah Wonka. short version I think it looks as fucking terrible it looks like exactly the movie I feared it would be but I will happily admit if I'm wrong
1: okay Mark I mean listen Paddington 2 is basically Ernest goes to jail so I'm excited <laughs> to see what <laughs> Ernest movie Wonka is that's all I got to That's that's, that's it from yeah there's about 30 similarities between Ernest goes to jail and Paddington 2, so I'm thinking this could be the. Let's see, not goes to camp, probably the saves Christmas of, of Wonka that, movies. That
2: tracks. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it 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 seemingly, understandably wants to be also shades of Greatest Showman, but at least that film, it kind of acknowledged that P.T. E. Barnum was a dick. <laughs> I, I mean, I you can argue movie, to the extent that it did. I don't think but... that
0: movie did that at all. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't think people were going to the sing-along versions of Greatest
1: Showman because, oh, yeah, that's that one about the movie that people hate. I um, just wanted Michelle Williams to escape from that movie. I remember watching him <laughs> like, get out of here, Michelle. Get out where's of here. The, where's run! Venom when you need him? <laughs> <Get out> uh, <laughs> Leave. Ferguson, run. Um. I... I
0: <laughs> I'm making like a stigma. But it's like I don't. I'm not far above you, Scott. As far as this goes, like I'm, I am willing to give a lot of benefit of the doubt to the idea that yes, they're marketing a Christmas movie in the way that you generally market a Christmas musical, which this movie supposedly is, despite the fact they want to kind of hide that for now. Um, but yeah, like, is it? Do I was I like? Do I need a a new version of Wonka that's a prequel that like this does feel like a lot of dartboard stuff as far as okay. Wonka, Chalamet, Hugh Grant as a Oompa but like it, it does feel like a lot of mad libs to make a blockbuster. Um, that said, it does have interesting people involved, like that's what I can give it. I, you know, we're all fans of Paddington's. Um, sure, let's see what this is. I'll also add, while it's not directly based on a doll, a Roll doll book, Roll doll's filmography consistency is really strong if you ever look at it. Like, I think, like more often than not old doll films tend to work really well. So I, I'd i like to think that at least the spirit of what he brings to his work that has then been turned into movies holds up here. Um, that's the best I got for it is if I want to be optimistic. Uh, I can agree with you as far as from a studio standpoint, this seems like just low common denominator ideas as far as how to bring it together. But in terms of what they have
1: involved and what the potential is, let's see what happens. <laughs> that's where I'm at. <laughs> There is a song number in Ernest Goes to Camp, so maybe that's what <laughs> <Ernest> <laughs> movie this movie will be. Uh, Gee, I'm glad I it's not rainy. seen
2: any Ernest movie in like thirty years.
1: Ernest um, Scared Stupid's horrifying. It's the movie that scarred me most as a child. Fair. It's why he dedicated himself to math because of Ernest Goes to Ernest Scared Stupid. <laughs> yep, it's true. Um, and milk and and Miak,
2: Bulgarian Miak. Mm. I I do. I am amused by the fact that. You know, we've seen two "quote unquote." I've saw two horror slash monster movies in the last two days, and they both had trailers to the Nun 2, which, when that opens, it's like, is this Walker or the Nun 2?
1: <laughs> Another 350 million grossing movie, right there.
2: It I'll looks just... better than the first one, yeah. which I thought was terrible. But, and I love Akella Cooper; she's writing it, so you know, optimism employed. Wait. She wait, what did she write um she wrote Megan? She co-wrote yeah, Malignant. And oh. she and she wrote Hellfest. Oh yeah, she's she's the best. Which I did briefly interview her when Megan came out and I called her to task for, you know, like, look, I am a married husband and father. There's no fucking way I would have time to be a serial killer on the side. That's
1: <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> I wonder if she wrote the chair
0: throw in malignant uh, by the way, Wonka, shot by Chang-Chan Hoon, who's shot like all of Park Chan-Wook's movies and among other things. So I
2: think I'm looking forward to how it looks. Like, yeah, I, and that's why I was worried about you know the, the, the shades of gray, for lack of a better term. We'll see. But,
0: what, I mean, I, since it's hiding its musical elements, which presumably will be the most colorful elements of the movie. Yeah. We'll see what happens.
2: <laughs> that was maybe part of why I liked the CinemaCon footage better, because it looked like a lively, sprightly, ridiculous, over-the-top musical.
1: Okay. I hope it goes full thirst.
2: <laughs> uh,
0: I'm thinking dumplings. <laughs> Wonka arrives in theaters and IMAX presumably December 15th, twenty twenty. Yeah, maybe. So we'll see what no, Probably because
2: they're both Warner Brothers. Because
0: prob- yeah. Dune will keep
2: them until it's pride from its cold dead hands.
0: Well, and Aquavan is coming as well. And as I've been trying to coin since last week, Aquawonka is the next Barbenheimer. So, I mean, that's what I'm hoping for. So, Warner Brothers. Hashtag AquaWonka. They very much
2: hope that is the case as well.
1: Hashtag Aquawaka. Aquaman goes two for three on the Hoffmeyer scale. Catapults and sea creatures. No jet skis. That's
2: kind no, of jet skis there no jet skis no jet skis. He might rectify that in the sequel.
1: Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, that's a Orm and <laughs> That might be the next Wait,
2: Patrick crowd, Wilson. There's obviously gonna be sea creatures.
1: Oh Patrick Wilson on a jet ski? I would buy eight tickets.
0: That'd be the best thing since Adam Scott have a shotgun and a jet ski in piranha three D. That's right. right.
1: You gotta Sorry. support the St. Pete people, man. St. Pete, Florida. That's where Patrick Wilson's from. That's where I grew up around. So all right. P does. Hashtag Aquawanka. All
2: right. right we let's... keep talking about Aquaman, this conversation is gonna be interrupted by an explosion. Let's move on. <laughs> we don't want that to happen.
0: Let's get to our first review for Meg 2 Golden the Trench.
1: Jonas,
2: we've got company. The biggest Meg I've ever seen. Biggest Meg anyone's ever seen. That's the apex predator. Everybody make it to the station. You can make it. Hit line. Three massive Megs, and who knows what else have escaped the breach. I just hope it goes better than
1: last time.
0: What happened last time?
2: you don't want to know
0: okay that should have been some of the trailer for meg Two: the trench 2018's the meg was a film long in the making but it finally happened based on the 1997 hit novel by steve alton the film was a huge budget movie about a giant shark with jason statham in the lead role it was a hit five years later here we are with meg 2 the trench very loosely connected to alton's own 1999 sequel novel it once again features Jason Statham and finds him along with Chinese superstar Wu Jing once again exploring the deepest parts of the ocean and dealing not only with megalodons, but other creatures, as well as evil underwater miners. Things become all the more complicated when giant sharks once again find themselves near heavily populated areas. Mark, I'm going to start with you. Where, 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 where are you with the Meg? And what do
1: you think of this sequel? Oh, no, this is better than the first one. The first one is one of the, the most bland pictures i've ever seen uh so this one at least i don't think it, it needed a. it's not turtle Tob. like turtle Tob knows how to just tell scenes like it's a very cromulent movie this one's all over the place but this one to me had more i had more fun with this one because i never knew where this was going i don't know why it went there certain places and there's jet skis so just you know if there's a jet ski in a movie i automatically give it a b plus so That's i have to kind of stick with b my math here And and listen, like, but it's kind of crazy because the jet ski curse continues. Because I figured out like movies that feature jet ski action scenes have like a tomato meter rating of twenty nine percent, and they make an inflated domestic box office of forty nine million on an average of eighty two million dollar budgets. So they're very low rated. They never they rarely make their budgets back. So I, I feel like the jet ski curse is continuing with this, but. No, like, as far as jet skis and creatures like Deep Rising, I enjoy more like this is Piranha. I enjoy more, but this one's fun, but I, I still like it better than the Meg 2018. OK, um, <laughs> I just dropped a lot on you, but I feel like I, you know, like I finally get to talk about jet ski action scene. So a lot comes out.
0: But yeah, no, I, I
1: like this more than the, the first one.
0: Scott, what do you think of Meg 2?
2: Uh, I really enjoyed the first Meg far more than I expected to. I thought it was a very cleanly constructed, old school studio programmer, and it was a good example of what happens when you give somebody that's been doing this for a while, you know, a nuts and bolts professional like Turtle Dob, you know, one hundred and fifty million dollars to you know go play. Um, I thought it was funny. I thought it was quirky. I liked the characters quite a bit. Um, this was basically the movie I initially assumed the first Meg would be I thought it was very narratively sloppy I thought the characters were far more generic I thought the plot was far more convoluted than it needed to be to the point that I was easily confused and I shouldn't be confused by the Meg 2 the trench um and uh well, I appreciate that it wasn't a straight-up remake of the first film. I mean, it does tell a different story and plays in different genre sandboxes. I thought the first two-thirds were relatively dull. Um, even my children, who, you know, very much, you know, my son loves the first Meg. And even he was like, you know, I I, I like the idea of them going down to the trench, but it didn't seem like they did much with it. Um, And, you know, not to... And this isn't fair to the movie, but you know, underwater is a film that did that, a similar premise, <laughs> I would argue, much better. Um, and to be fair, that's an R rated monster movie, it's a different can of worms. Um, underwater we do a vet. what was that? Is underwater R? Yes, yeah, that dude explodes.
1: Oh, yeah, it's, it's PG 13. Wait, underwater PG 13? Yes, it is.
2: No,
0: yeah, I love hey, that. It earns that I know what I'm doing on this Shit. podcast, keeping you
2: guys in check here. <laughs> Fair enough. Um it's anyway. a violent movie, I agree. Yeah, it's it's it earns that PG13. Wow. Um take that, TJ Miller. Um but anyway, um we do eventually get the what you paid for stuff, which is the shark. The sharks eating people and causing chaos in the daylight in brightly lit scenes while our band of heroes try to outwit them and, and and deal with other conflicts. And that's where you get most of the trailer shots, frankly. But for me, it was too little too late. Um, I was very, very disappointed with the film. Um, there are some interesting ideas. I like the idea of Wu Jing and Jason Statham basically co-parenting a teenage girl that was kind of cute. Um, I do think by virtue of Wu Jing being a giant box office star, there's a certain plot armor for the two leads that otherwise wouldn't exist. But I can't hold the move that much. I can't hold it that much against the movie because it's not like I expected Statham to die either. Um, but I felt again, my biggest problem is I thought the characters were really charming the first time around to the point that I was entertained even when there was no shark in this film. It felt very generic and expository in terms of its dialogue and its interactions, and I was genuinely bored when we weren't seeing "quote unquote" spectacle. And I didn't think the spectacle was all that impressive.
0: alas so, I generally agree with Scott here. I I liked the Meg. I wouldn't say I was like huge on it, but I like I rewatched it again this week. I, you know, I'm not going to by any means say it's a perfect blockbuster, but it's a satisfying one for me. I do think the the it's not a movie where I'm like, oh, man, it's those characters that really made the Meg what it was. But it's also a film that does have an assemblage of people where I'm like, I enjoy what this stuff is. I enjoy this movie's subplot is Jason Statham's ex-wife is like, you should really get with that other lady. And it's like, that's nice of you. <laughs> it's yeah, was, like,
2: you know, it's, everyone was so nice in that movie. It was like a, a weird counterbalance. It's
0: a, it's, it's, a, It has just enough like cork to it. Where, and along with, you know, it's a giant shark movie. Yes, it's a PG thirteen giant shark movie, so it's never really going to give you exactly what I think Steve Alton, I would have uh, wanted um, in seeing a giant, you know, recreation of his work on a giant blockbuster budget. But like the movie entertained me. This movie, I I'm with Scott as far as like for the stuff I wanted to see, it took a long time to get there, and I'm not against that if like the stuff getting there is like goofy fun and the idea of. Jason Statham and Wu Jing go underwater to find a secret mining operation, that inherently seems like it should be fun. <laughs> that sounds like a thing where I'm like, yeah, I want to see that movie. That sounds like Wandering evil, Wandering Earth goofy shit. Like, cool. And somehow it's just not. Like, in, even in the first movie, going into the trench was colorful. This movie isn't really colorful in the, those underwater sequences. I was, like, missing out on, like, what the what the fun is of being this deep under the ocean because instead it's like oh no we got this tough guy from from snowfall who's an evil miner who has a history of statham and it it and it almost feels as if statham was like so dissatisfied of not being able to fight anybody in the first movie they're like oh i want to punch people in the opening scene and like that's what we get so it's like I'm not against seeing Jason Statham fight sequences, so it's a it feels like I'm feeling as if I'm ashamed of myself for not enjoying the fact that this movie seems to deliberately add more Jason sequence fight sequences to like the detriment of the film. I'm not against an action movie, but like Meg Two feels like it should be doing certain things, and the things that it's doing here don't seem to belong, or at least they didn't entertain me. So it's like I wanted to see what Ben Wheatley is going to do here. And he just doesn't really give me much of what I wanted out of a Ben Wheatley directed Meg movie. Even in the third act, which I certainly enjoyed a lot more than the, you know, the previous acts that led up to it. It, 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 Not just because the trailer like gave away a lot of stuff, but like just like the delivery of that aspect. It's like, yeah, all right, we're getting more of Shark Destroy stuff and there's other things beyond just the giant shark. But there's a version of this I think I could have liked a lot more. And maybe just cause I was so like battered down by the opening segments of the film that like by the time we got there it just didn't mean much to me. But it's just it is disappointing. For a movie that doesn't have like a high bar to like go past, I was hoping to get more out of Meg 2 in the realm of just schlocky fun. And there's that argument that comes across it's like I like trash, so whatever. It's fu-. it's like there are there's still degrees of trash that could be enjoyed and not enjoyed. And this just it didn't it didn't please me as much as I would have liked it to. Yeah, so I would argue I not, the Meg is high
2: end trash.
0: I would agree. I don't think this movie's awful by any means. I just feel like it. It's not even hitting the bar of ridic- Like the, the the silliest of shark exploitation movies. As a guy that just watched the documentary Shark Exploitation.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um. And I don't want to come down on Wheatley because I, I do like most of his movies, but I, I agree. do think this might be a situation where they made a mistake hiring the indie odd tour to come play in the blockbuster field, as opposed. And again, I even the five years ago blanket. I felt that one reason why the Meg was better than I was expecting is because they hired a '90s studio vet, the Tom. Yeah, and you know I'm I actually like the Sorcerer's Apprentice. Oh, I wish it only cost seventy five million because then we might have gotten another one, but I digress. Um, but this one, I mean, it's it's even when you get what you pay for, there's a certain listlessness. It's like it almost feels like they're doing it out of obligation. It does not feel organic to me. Well, because the stakes aren't
0: very high once they beyond like don't let sharks eat people. The stakes don't really feel that significant at that point because there's a whole other plot that involves guys with machine guns going after our heroes and it's like wait why are they going after our heroes again like they're not even in the mine anymore like what are they yeah (laughs) have they seen too much
1: like what's going on (laughs) I enjoy DJ though I think DJ is definitely the MVP of this movie and just watching where he was in the first like in the first one you know, I, I, there, there are certain things I love in this. When, when the guy goes to sacrifice himself, Statham's like, "Don't you don't need to do this?" Because in the first Meg, everyone's <laughs> everyone's sacrificing themselves left and right. There's a lot of so that. Yeah, Statham's like, "We don't need to do that. Let's here. Put, <laughs> let's, put, let's, put, <laughs> let's put that as Plan C." Yeah. <laughs> and, and I don't think I saw anybody just fall off boats in this one. There's about 18 falling off boat scenes in the Meg, so I think there's some elements that are that are a little bit more fun. But yeah, no, I mean, but DJ like just him and his backpack and his taser and the pepper spray bit with Cliff Curtis. I mean, between like Marina and Avatar and this, like Cliff Curtis is doing great around water, so like a <laughs> big bat of his. He's yeah, like I love watching him jump around with his gun and be all prepared and make the mirror. And I don't know that uh, the just. I had a lot of fun with this character. So, I I mean, I I entirely agree
0: with you. I do think that Pepper spray scene is one of the funniest (laughs) scenes of the summer. I think that is a genuinely good comedic setup because of the (laughs) the actual, there's more tension, I think, in that sequence than this movie, which is not a very tense movie. It's an action movie. It doesn't like really rely on building anything up. It's not like the first mega is hardly a horror movie either, but I do think there's at least some suspense because we just haven't seen this before. Where this movie's like, there's three of them. Does it matter? We see it right away. There's no. I'm not saying it needs to be on the level of Jaws, but this movie's not even trying to be like hide the shark in any way whatsoever. But yes, the DJ stuff I do think is effective because I found him genuinely not very funny at all in the first movie. Mm-hmm. I, it felt like a bargain bin casting choice where this movie's like, oh, they gave Paige Kennedy like a lot more to do here. I like the idea of him being like, Yeah, I remember last time around, I was literally a fish out of water this time around i'm prepared i got a backpack i learned how to fight like i all that stuff's actually really fun and it gives cliff curtis something to do also because cliff curtis is a tremendous character actor so stranding him above water having nothing to do that's not gonna help anybody so i like that they actually made a a buddy unit out of that team um which was entertaining to me uh compared to the honestly the statham gene stuff which i think started out strong because yes while they had to Fridge Lee Bing Bing from the first movie, of oh, they had to like completely murder off Jason Statham's love interest, uh, off screen. Uh, they the, the, the idea of okay, now we bring in Wu Jing here that's fun, that's a neat idea, but then it does, I don't think it really goes anywhere after the first, you know, the opening of them.
1: Um, Regis wasn't bad, what Melisanthi Mahout, so like I, I liked her and DJ together. She was a decent character, yeah, Pretty bland. But
0: like, it's a—it just seems like a small scattering of memorable characters compared to that first movie where there yeah. was weird. Te- the thing that got me in the first movie was like, it's that the one of the guys that does like the self-sacrifice, right? He's like the guy that was with Jason Statham at the beginning, where he's like Longmire. Yeah, he th- he thinks Jason Statham made up. He got scared. Yeah. And he, and it's like. Dude, now we're literally dealing with the giant monster. You're still being mad at Jason Statham? <laughs> like, he's he's right. <laughs> like, like, and does Jason Statham look like a guy that got scared? <laughs> like
2: It's not like um, his demeanor changed here. And I, I think the movie is missing the chemistry between him and Lee Bingbing from last time. And I don't want to get in a boohoo. they fridged her or whatever. But You especially, should, though, because they
0: murdered her off screen. It's yeah, weird, but I mean, like,
2: and it's even worse if you, you know, we can conspiracy theorize about why she's not in this film. Google Lee Bing Bing taxes um, for more information on that. I think, it's, I think it's a mix
0: of that and China is not huge on romantic relationships between non-Chinese
2: and Chinese. That could be. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I th- then yes, I will give the movie grief for that because that did annoy me. But I knew that was coming for months and months. Um, but I do think you miss the sort of warm interaction between the characters. That, that was in the first film and again you know the, the great scene that you mentioned in the first film where you know his wife's in a bed and he's talking with her and the daughter and they're the, the daughter and the ex-wife are saying that they could go screw the other lady he's like this is the worst moment of my yeah. life uh, it's like what a wonderful character beat that, that he and his ex-wife actually get along
0: on a scale and, from one to mummy returns did you enjoy the re- return of the daughter in this movie since she's older now <laughs> uh, I thought she was fine time?
2: I had nothing, you know, I don't think she made much of an impression, but, you know, for continuity's sake, I have no objection to her being back. And Uncle Statham's always welcome. Uncle yeah,
1: Statham. He's good with kids. So I like I like a Uncle Statham. Scott,
0: you've pointed out many times that of all the action stars, Statham has been the one that avoided doing the, and now he has to babysit a handful of kids in a house movie. Yes. And the, the closest I think we've gotten is what, Furious 7 and now this like, yeah, as far as Statham has a child to look after, Uh um, I guess safe. But even then, that's not really the same. It's not a broad comedy. No, yeah, no. Hire It's the best. Yeah. It's, it's just a, yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm waiting for the scene where he has to, you know, or the movie where he has to coach like a pee wee lacrosse team. Boy, it's soccer <laughs> practice time. <laughs> but also do um, a ballet recital. What's going on here? <laughs> My statham is terrible. <laughs> it is, but that's it's better than mine, so that's okay. Um, but anyway, yeah, I mean, I had someone that really liked the first one and was genuinely expecting to enjoy this one because the trailer, you know, hit me in all the right spots. This was a huge letdown for me.
0: We we've talked about the things that we don't like. Um, it does get to a final section where on Fun Island. Uh, which didn't seem that fun, honestly. Um, <laughs> Wendy's,
2: um, Wendy's like, Ooh, I want to go there. I was like, no, you don't. If Just you have watch to, what happens at Fun Island. You, you don't want to put,
0: go. If you have to put fun on the title, I feel like it's a little self-defeating. It's like, uh, if if your island was truly fun, you wouldn't have to say it. Um, yes. but, but so we do get but we do get a handful of shark action among other creatures.
1: Did you guys enjoy seeing at least mayhem go down in various capacities? A mercenary um, gets front-kicked into the mouth of a shark like that's i'm a big fan of front kick cinema so you know it's, it's anytime i see that i'm happy so anything else could have happened i would have been cool so yeah i mean that that those scenes i loved like just i'm, I'm down for a front kick mercenary into the mouth of a shark
0: it's what crazy. about seeing? i mean all, obviously the shark stuff's the shark stuff which it's weird to have to say that because i feel like three megalodons is a lot for a movie and i feel if anything the fact that, like, the scale of just one of them is kind of ruined because we have so many of them. But we do have a giant octopus in here, as well as, I guess, the fourth version of tiny raptors that we've seen in a movie. And this time around, we have little dinosaurs. Did you and guys appreciate the, the other I, uh other creature I mean, my action? feeling is
2: if you're going to introduce the trench that has lots of creatures that you've never seen before, let's get fucking missed with this thing. <laughs> I mean, I I was, you know, perhaps naively was expecting a greater variety of of monsters. And I know these films are slightly scientifically based in terms of they're not just going to make up a species of like 12 armed, four legged monsters. But why the fuck not? That would be dumb. Yes. (laughs) Exactly. But did you appreciate seeing the other like stuff, um, attacking things and tentacles going around? There was so little of it to me that it really, it barely registered. And I, I like the front kick to Doom scene, but, and this isn't even a criticism, but I was amusing since that henchman kept not dying. Because <laughs> yeah. I was, you know, 20 minutes earlier, I'm, you know, even longer, you know, I'm pissed that they set up the whole, you know, the the conveyor belt to smush, and that's not how he dies. No
0: one gets smushed, is it? Yeah. yeah it's... Like,
2: come on, don't don't tease me if you, you know, what's the line from Uncut Gems? Don't show it to me if you're not gonna let me have it. <laughs>
1: um, but are you um, crying? That might be my favorite line in the movie when that guy's crying because yeah. of interest <laughs> yeah. is even. That's like a character beat. I wish they had more of in this movie. But are you crying?
0: That's what I'm missing. <laughs> that's honestly what it is. Where yeah. like I I I get not liking the Meg, but I don't think it didn't try to have those kind of moments scattered throughout the film. And I do think this film misses out on having that because it wants to be a more conventional action movie. Which is, I mean, that's fine if the movie is interesting. <laughs> like I don't want to keep stressing how. Uninteresting. I was in a lot of the movie, but that's kind of where I fell. And you know, it. But it, it's weird because it has things like Jason Statham has to go outside on the water, m- miles below the <laughs> depths where he should be crushed. It's like that's silly
2: shit that I should like more, but it yeah. just
0: doesn't seem to land it as nearly as well as it could, which is
2: unfortunate. I I just think there's a, a weird boat face seriousness to this film that the first one didn't have, and I think the first one used its. It wasn't even winking or anything, but it was it was a bright, colorful, larger than life shark adventure film that gave you what you wanted, but also had characters that were enjoy that were good company. So and another I think Turtle that's Tub
1: special, right? National Treasure. And, yeah. like,
2: and like, you know, I don't even love either of the National Treasure movies, but they are they're, they're characters that. You know, especially for people me, that like those movies more than I do, they're fun to hang around with. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an undervalued element in terms of, you know, are these people I want to socialize with when I'm waiting for the carnage?
0: Yeah, the, the, those characters are so fun. They're like, we needed to get Justin Bartha into a film where we can immediately get rid of him after the half hour. mark. <laughs> that's the hangover. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> um Mark, I, I know you appre- at least appreciate aspects
1: of this building a, a bit more than we do. Is there anything else you want to point out as a, as a positive? I mean, uh, the jet ski stuff is fun. Now, for some reason, Statham's in a lot of sequels with jet skis. And I would say that Expendables 2 and Transporter 2 are probably better jet skiing examples than this movie. Sure. But I don't know. I, listen, I'm a simple guy.
2: Uh, <laughs> is it <a> Mechanic <laughs> Resurrection of a Jet Ski too? Well, wait. It might. Oh. say might. So. I know that is that the one. I'm only guessing because it's a big beach. It's the the, big pool.
0: It has the big pool sequence. Yes, I'm trying to think of. I need to
1: watch that again now. Yeah, but he, uh, I think the Meg is definitely more of a you know it's the turtle top effect. This one, I mean, I'm not saying it's good, but like I hate comparing movies to other movies, but this made me want to watch Underwater. Like I left going like I'm gonna go watch Underwater. So I don't think that's good for a film. I guess how safe. Meg was. I, I guess I just liked that there were a few moments that were specifically designed for me. Like, uh, if I had to really make an impassioned defense for this movie, I couldn't do it because I understand everything y'all are saying. But I just, uh, just watching the the front kicks, watching I don't know the, the stupidity of the trench, the the crying bit, the uh, I don't know. I uh, he's you know Statham's wearing another ski cap. Like, this is his fourth one that he's worn in a movie. So it's I don't know why I know that, <laughs> but. It, Yeah, I I wish I, this this is a terrible reviewing, but I just enjoyed it. I really did. It's under two hours. I I like ocean stuff. I like sea creatures. I don't know why they put lights on this building when they knew that megalodons could destroy the lights. Like, I don't, there's so many holes. How did they make that thing? Like, how do they make that structure? Well, so- because
0: evil Sienna Gilroy secretly funded an entire mining operation. Oh, gosh. <laughs> that's it's just water. Somehow needed it to be secret, even though, like, she has tea. Like, I don't, it's, it's a bit like Scott said, the plot is weirdly confusing when it shouldn't be. And that's another thing I like about the Meg, where it's very straightforward. Like, there's a big thing we need to stop that like that's it that's the plot (laughs) there's
1: too much plot they're like hey we're gonna capture this megalodon the megalodon is like all right i'm escaping like it's there's way too much going on there's double crosses there's triple crosses there's there's uh too many characters but there's still a front kick of a mercenary into a shark's mouth (laughs) and so that's where i am now so i mean maybe the mercenaries in here with me but um yeah there's just enough there for me to like i, I don't know it's i'm just... glad
0: you liked it i wanted yeah. to like it like the last thing i want you to do is not like a movie um i do think it How again dare you i yeah. do think it's it's not awful by any means it just feels like in the realm of shark movies which we certainly have plenty of i've seen better versions of this and it's like if you spend a 100 plus million dollars on a giant shark movie Gimme that. And you put Ben Wheatley in charge of it. Gimme what that looks like. Don't give me whatever Water Brothers stipulated uh to make it, I guess, friendlier for China. I don't even know what. I don't know what like the goal here was be
2: that didn't really oh. succeed for me. I'm <laughs> guessing it's the Chinese film company that you know CMC, I think they are. Well, because it does feel co pro.
0: Well, because it does feel more you've seen your share of chinese blockbusters yes. it does feel more like a chinese blockbuster than a typical hollywood movie yes that and doesn't make it a bad or, that doesn't make it a good or bad thing it yeah. just feels like there's a difference here like you, you said it's not a retread of the first movie it does have its own path
2: it's going down um and I, I think there's a genuine conflict in the film not Horribly pronounced in between having Wu Jing be a super admirable, aspirational, G-wiz guy and letting him have a little fun here and there.
0: Well, as one that's, you know, definitely enjoyed Wolf Warrior 2, I yeah. know he's capable of action. And they don't really give him a lot of action Mm-mm. to do in this, which was also a disappointment
2: to me. Yeah. <laughs> Although I, I, one of the things I did like was that, you know, he's basically a science and every time he tries to do action, it doesn't quite go the way he pictured, but he still comes out on top anyway. I,
0: I agree. I, I think they um, could have that's stuff they could to be have, nice here. They could, no,
2: they, I, I agree with you. they could have not they could have
0: utilized that more if anything. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's that's a that's a good gimmick for his character. But DJ got a lot to do. So who you know look good at his day.
1: DJ's cool. I like him.
2: What does the movie make? Uh 142 worldwide, 53 in China, 30 in North America. Budget's it only it cost about 129 to make. If it legs out, it'll be a hit. I don't know. I mean even in China it you know, it was a little front loaded. And there's a, at least one or two big Chinese movies that are already kicking ass. Uh, something called No More Crime? No, No More. Shit. Hold on. It's, it's a movie fine. about identity theft. Uh, no more. As he stalls for time to look it up. Well, well Scott,
1: it... so I'm gonna. I got my. No more bets.
2: Oh. Okay. No which, more. which Pretty made approximately. 30 million dollars on Saturday hmm. oh no the leg the mega only dropped 16% on Sunday that's that's decent I could be mistaken it might lag out it did 20 million on Friday and then it dropped a bit on Saturday but it's starting to recover on Sunday so it yeah and if this does you know 150 million in China I mean no that's not enough to be you know a deal breaker in terms of whatever but it's 150 that most of this year's blockbusters aren't going to have well, so Mark what were you going to say
1: I was gonna say, uh, while you were going for time, I I have my definitive ranking of films that feature deadly or magical sea creatures and jet ski action. Good. So number one is Deep Rising. Number two is Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. Number three is Piranha 3D. Number four is Waterworld. Number five is you don't mess with the Zohan. Wait. Yeah, five is you don't mess with the Zohan and then Meg 2, The Trench and then Shark Attack 3, Megalodon and then Shark Knight. So that's my ranking. Got it. Good. That sounds legit. Very important, right? This a lot of thought when uh, A lot that, of swimming. Number
2: two one is it's nice to be reminded.
1: Yeah. I love Barb and star. Yeah, me too.
2: But I think we've talked plenty <sighs> about
0: Meg 2 the trench. When should people go and see this movie? Mark, when should people
1: see Meg Two? Let's rent it. <laughs> go go watch Oppenheimer or Barbie or Insidious The Last Door. Rent or just Yeah. Because it's not big enough. There's no scenes in there that gave me awe. Mm-hmm. I never felt awe while watching this movie. So, yeah, just watch it at home. Fine. Fair enough,
2: Scott. I mean, movie? I'm generally starting the theatrical experience no matter what. But if you're not me, then, yes, I think this can wait till you can get a decent, you know, a 1080 or 4K streaming slash physical media copy. Because honestly, I don't know if the visual oomph was the movie or the projection at my non... You know, I wasn't able to see it in any kind of PLF just because the showtimes didn't work out. And unfortunately, now when I see a movie that looks kind of muddy, I always wonder is like, is this going to look gorgeous on Blu-ray in three months? Um. So, yeah, I, I unfortunately, I would say wait.
0: Yeah, no, I think this is a max release. Uh, you could watch it on max the one to watch on hbo um that that's the my desired i think choice here uh which is unfortunate but yeah I, I wouldn't race out compared to some other things such as the haunted mansion which is a ghoulish delight some critics are saying but um
2: <laughs> who the fuck said that what a sellout <laughs> jesus
0: but uh yeah so that that's that's our take on on meg 2 um which uh, brings us now uh, to um, another time here it's, uh, it's time for some games Of course, the improv theme for games. And uh, while I have a game, I'm aware uh, Mark
1: Hoffmeyer, I believe you've prepared a game for us this week. I have. It's just called Jet Ski. Okay. <laughs> so I have, like, so basically just say your name. I'm going to read the movie out, uh, a movie that features a jet ski or a jet ski action scene. When I start reading, you can answer whenever, but just, you know, say Scott or Aaron and then guess. And then we'll uh, see who the winner is after 12 questions. Okay. All right. This 2015 action film starring Ed Screen features uh, some drive
2: Scott. Yep, the transporter refueled. Yep, that's it.
1: He drives a jet ski into a Mercedes. I almost said Transporter CW. Legacy,
2: but I, I corrected myself.
1: Okay, so we got that. One question down. This 1994 video game adaptation features Mark Dacoskis and Scott Wolf riding... Yep, double dragon. <laughs> that's it. All right. This. 2011 film featuring Al Pacino singing about Dunkachinos features uh, a character Scott. Yep.
2: Oh fuck! I forgot the name
1: Jack and Jill. <laughs> yep, there it is. <laughs> Adam Sandler rides a jet ski in a swimming pool. <sighs> this 1999 action sequel features a character named Luke Devereaux riding a jet ski. Devereaux. 1999.
0: 1999
1: sequel. 1999. This. <laughs>
0: Hold <laughs> on a second. Sequel ninety
1: nine. Oh. Sequel ninety nine. This nineteen ninety nine action sequel features a character named Luke Devereaux riding driving a jet ski.
2: It's funny that name is familiar.
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna give a one hint. Uh huh. Audiences really didn't give a damn about it.
0: Uh, Is this a JCVD film? <laughs> I don't know. Like what? What? what non-sequel did he make? Oh. <laughs> like, no one cares. We here five. Oh, four, oh, oh,
2: uh, Scott. Yep. A Universal Soldier: The Return.
1: Yep. That's <sighs> it. deverell All right. This 2005 action comedy features a Fast and Furious jet ski action scene that opens up the movie. Is it two thousand five? There's,
0: there's a hint there. Um, Aaron. No, yeah. wait. It said action comedy? Yep. Oh, that's not. Yeah, I think
2: I was thinking the same thing. The that yeah. movie that's not particularly funny.
1: <laughs> um, just two thousand five. There's a hint in here. Action comedy features a fast and furious jet ski action scene that opens up the movie. Oh, Aaron, Scott. It's
2: my wife's favorite movie. I don't know why.
1: Go for it. The the pacifier. (laughs) Yes. In this 1977 spy caper, the main character drives a wet bike. Scott. What year? Yeah.
2: The spy who loved me. Yep.
1: Yeah. Okay. In this 1986 action comedy, a character named Zed screams at a henchman, and this causes the henchman to fall off of his personal watercraft. 86 what? Action comedy, a character named Zed screams at a henchman, and this causes the henchman to fall off of his personal watercraft.
2: Um. Oh, oh, Scott. Yeah. Uh, Police Academy 2, which I think is called their first assignment.
1: Nope, close no, though. No
2: f- fuck. It's okay, whatever.
1: If As Aaron doesn't the... have it, I'll let you jump back in. And As if you forward. got the title wrong. Yeah, Aaron.
0: Police, Jesus, Police Academy Two. You're. It's not two. Oh, that's okay. Police Academy Three. Uh, assignment Miami
2: Beach. Or that's no, five. it's not three. That's five. It's five. <laughs> These subtitles are tough. <laughs> uh, Scott, hey, I, I don't again care. Again? I know it's not City Under Siege. I know it's not Operation Miami Beach. I know it's not Operation. Miami. Like uh, uh, Citizens on Patrol. That was four. Oh, may I jump in again? Yeah, sure. Maybe uh, Police Academy Three. Back in training. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Is that it? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yo! I right. right. made a Bobcat
1: couple... Goldblade proud. I think this one will go quick. In this beautiful 1998 creature feature, John Aaron. Finnegan. Yep. Deep Rising. Yep. <laughs> uh, in this 2008 film, a jet ski action scene is followed by a moment in which the lead character puts a piranha in his pants.
0: Aaron. Yep.
1: Uh, you don't mess with the Zohan. Yep. Yeah. In this 2004 comedy, secret agent Henry Roth hurts his balls when he jumps onto a jet ski. This is so stupid. In this 2004 comedy, secret agent Henry Roth hurts his balls when he jumps onto a jet ski. 2004. In this 2004 romantic comedy. Oh, now. (laughs) (sighs) (sighs) Roth. Neil Gaiman and the Sandman. Would like this episode, would like this movie. That's a really weird hint. Yeah, but just think That's Sandman. Amazing. Think Sandman.
0: Okay, um, what did he make then?
2: When <sighs> longest yard was 2005, click was 2006.
0: Air, you know, <laughs> wait. Say this again. Say this clue again.
1: All right. Let me let me pull it up here. In this 2004 romantic comedy, secret agent Henry Roth hurts his balls when he jumps on a jet ski.
0: Secret agent.
1: I feel like your memory is not working. Oh, yes. Is it 51st dates? Yep. Oh.
0: Does he like pretend to be a secret agent? Like that's always throwing me off. Okay.
1: Yeah. Oh, and we're five five with two questions left. Uh, this 2021 comedy classic features two soft rock Nebraska residents using a jet ski to stay Aaron. in Florida. Oh. Yep. Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. <laughs> yep. And last but not least, in, two, in this 2003 action movie sequel, the jet ski riding lead character wins the spe- r- wins the respect of a shark after she punches it in the nose. Sequel. In this 2003 action movie sequel, the jet ski riding lead character wins the respect of a shark after she punches it in the nose.
2: Oh, Scott. Yep. Tomb Raider, Cradle of Life. Oh That's God,
1: it. Of course, you're fucking right. Tomb Raider movie.
2: <laughs> okay, so we just
1: ended on a tie. So I'll just come up with one more to break this tie here. <laughs> okay. Um, all right, I can do this. Let's see. Cradle of Life opens with a big fat week break wedding. Oh, wait, okay. I just got to get the date real quick. In this 2010 3D movie, a complete idiot does a jet ski stunt from a pool. Like, by driving out of a pool. Aaron. Oh, yeah, go for it. Jackass Aaron. 3D? Yep, that's it. Good 3D movies. All right, so 6-5. That was close. Or, wait, no, 7-6. That was a good one. All right. That was stressful.
0: That was stressful. <laughs> it was more stressful than Meg, too. <laughs> I had a lot
1: of fun coming up with these questions. I was just sitting here like, I like these.
0: Well, good. Thank you for that
1: game, Mark. That, that was, was fun. That was, yeah, thank that you. That was good. Oh, yeah.
0: Absolutely. Now, you're not going to leave unchallenged here. I have another game for you guys. Oh, yeah. It is called Mutants in Time. Uh This is a game where I'm going to read you taglines from films featuring actors featured in *Mutant Mayhem* that have also starred in other movies involving some kind of giant or mutant or creature of or some kind of mutation, of any kind. So you have to, if you think you know the answer, which is the name of the movie, say your name and the answer. Okay. If you think you know the star involved, that's just fun. You can add that on too. (laughs) Here's the first one. Only one criterion genetic perfection uh there's a second tagline that I can read a life is a dangerous thing to share
1: uh. life is a da- oh. Mark Mark the island it's not the island
0: on the right track though but this is a 90s film oh
2: Genetic Perfection. I assume it's not. There's no There's no gene for the human spirit. Um.
0: It's a sci-fi film, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Genet- uh. I believe it's the debut film of this director.
1: Genetic Perfection. Five, five, five. Life is a dangerous
0: condition. Oh, three. Yeah, I have no two. Yeah. one. It's Gattaca. The answer is
1: Gattaca.
2: Oh. Fuck! How many taglines does that movie have?
1: It had like four, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I would have said Ethan Hawke.
2: We said there's no gene for the human spirit. That's the Gattaca tagline.
0: That's one of them. Yeah, I didn't. I'm not. These trying to other give ones these, are bullshit. I'm not trying to give these away here. Uh, Maya Rudolph is in that film, by the way. Um, you
2: kept giving me clues that point to Gattaca. was like that's not Gattaca. Maybe next Gattica. time,
0: Scott, ring in and just say it and just maybe the uh,
2: Yeah, there. clearly.
0: Here's the next one. They're dying to save the world.
2: Oops. Oh, Got uh-huh. the Suicide Squad. The
0: Suicide Squad oh. featuring a giant shark person. What a movie! John Cena's in that natural so. Here's the next one. So it was a big shark. Except yeah. The weird will save the world.
1: The weird... Uh,
0: the weird will save the world. Yeah, there's the other tagline. Who's gonna save us?
1: The weird. The weird's gonna save the world. Ooh, who's gonna save us?
0: Every other tagline will just give this away immediately. <laughs> because it features multiple words that are the title of this movie.
2: I'm just Ooh. going to be stupid and say
0: Scott. Uh huh. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Use. Incorrect. Yeah, I didn't think so. This is an animated film. Oh, frick. It's a 2000s animated film, I believe. Yes.
1: What's the tagline game? again?
0: The first one? The Weird Will Save the World. This is a Versus movie.
2: Oh, fuck. Okay. Ma- wait.
0: Spark. Monsters vs. Aliens. That is correct. Monsters vs. Aliens. Ooh, featuring Seth Rogen. Here's the next one. Before their
1: enemies, they were allies. For their enemies, they were allies. Mark Mark Universal Soldier.
2: Incorrect
1: is a oh. tagline. Oh, that's okay. good.
2: No, no, I'm thinking, because this unfortunately applies to many stupid, unneeded franchise prequels. Well, here's
0: another one. Their powers would make them different, but destiny would make them allies.
1: Their powers would make them different, but their destiny would make them allies.
2: Oh, uh, long shot, Scott, X-Men First Class? That First is correct.
0: Burn? X-Men First Class Whoa. featuring mutants. Oh! And Rose Byrne. Okay. Yeah, she's the best. Here's the next one. This one didn't have a tagline, so it's going to read a plot synopsis. What? A, oh, okay. A young girl risks everything to prevent a powerful multinational company from kidnapping her best friend, a fascinating, genetically engineered beast from South Korea. Mark? Mark. Oakja. Oakja's correct. Yeah. I was like, I don't
2: know how to pronounce that one. I'll let He's you have it. <laughs>
0: Giancarlo Esposito.
2: Hey, now.
0: Here's the next one. This is going to be a stretch. (laughs) The path is unsafe. The place is unknown. The journey is unbelievable. That's specific. Here's the next one. (laughs) The battle for eternity is the fantasy of a lifetime.
1: Oh, fuck. Uh, Scott. Yeah? Is it Masters of the Universe? Incorrect. Oh. The battle for eternity is the fantasy
0: of a lifetime. I'll give you a hint. This film features the team up of two very famous action stars for oh, the first um, time. Okay, I'll wait.
1: Forbidden, Mark? Forbidden Kingdom? That's correct! Yes. Yeah, That would have been more helpful.
2: <laughs> How did I pull the, that, that?
1: That came from the recesses. That's yes, for sure. because it's a terrible movie. i got <laughs> forgotten, <sucks>. rightfully.
0: <laughs>
1: that has Jackie
0: Chan, of course. So yes. Wow. Here's the next one. I like these taglines. Terror is the same on any planet. Here's the other tagline: "It's their planet, we are the aliens." <laughs> Mark, oh. st- Starship Troopers. <laughs> look. You're have... okay. Um, this is a two thousands
2: film. The yeah, thing is, I, I oh wait, wait, uh, uh, yeah, no, shit. If um, I get most of the words, I still a get star it. Star
0: of Meg Two, as well as the mutant Turtles.
1: Um. It is from a famed horror director. Yeah, I,
2: I damn it.
1: I, oh, I, I, oh, I, Mark, Mark. I already said it. I already said it. You get a chance, Scott, because I already got one wrong.
2: No, I, I don't know all the words. It's it's John Carpenter's something of Mars. Ghosts. Thank you.
1: I'm giving it, it to Mark. You could have that. Can, yeah. You know, that, <laughs> the tone of that movie is very effective. There, there's a very distinct tone running through seen it's it. i never it. It's very unsettling. I, I watched it the other day. I'm like, I don't feel healthy watching it. It's a good, it's... Yeah, I, I wish I liked it more, but I do agree. Like, the
0: stuff is there to make it, like, good. I wish it was just better. That's
1: all. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Here's the last one. Real heroes, not actual size.
2: Oh, Scott? Yeah? No, wait, fuck.
0: That's not
1: the oh. answer.
2: No, it's not.
0: sounds <laughs> <laughs> um... like a Rose Byrne movie.
1: No, that's a
2: physical. You already
0: had
1: Rose Byrne. Physical. I mean, Small
0: Soldiers? And there's no mutants. No, I know, I know. <laughs> Small soldiers, toys,
1: not real heroes. Size.
0: Real oh. heroes, not actual size.
1: Real heroes, not actual size.
0: This is from basically the most popular movie franchise in the world right now. It's the middle entry. Oh, Scott. Scott. Ant Man and the Wasp. Ant Man and the Wasp is the correct answer. Ah. Oh. Featuring and introducing Paul Rudd. Um. Well. Scott, you you tried to clam on there at the end, but Mark, you are our winner of Mutants in Time. Congratulations!
2: <gasps> oh my gosh, I've been that was these stressful. For Twelve years, and even the ones I've won, I've never actually gotten a prize.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's not about the prize; it's about the credits and Fair respectability. Enough. Right for honor! So good job, Mark. Way to play. And uh, unfortunately, though, you have not seen Turtles in Time or Turtle, <laughs> Turtles in Time. You have not seen TMNT Mutant Mayhem as of yet. So I, I know we're going to have to bid you adieu for now. But where can people find more of your work online?
1: Yeah, uh, movies, films, and flicks podcast. Deep Blue, see the podcast. Um, I started writing occasionally for The Ringer. So I wrote a fun article about um, cheating in sports movies that you can go check out. Uh, uh, Rotten Tomatoes, I still write occasionally for them. And then uh, Fandom, I do buy, the By the Numbers videos. And then Film Theory, you can go type in Mark Hoffmeyer Film Theory, check out some of my videos there. So, yeah. Okay. Well, go Mark, to read my stuff. Well, Mark,
0: thank you very much for joining us to talk Meg Two and play some games. And thank you again for the game, of course. Yeah,
1: this was fun. For I'm stressed sure. out.
0: <laughs> well, you can de-stress once we talk about the blade later on. Well, the blade. Well, we talk about blade later oh, on blade. this week. But, but of course, appreciate you being here as always. And um, yeah, we'll uh, talk to you next time.
1: I'm gonna figure out how to escape from this shark's mouth, so I don't have to record that commentary from inside there as well. So we'll see if I can get out. All right. We'll take All it right, easy, bye right. y'all. See ya. Bye. Bye. Okay, just the two of us. Oh, boy.
0: <laughs> and now we're going to move on from our games into our next review for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on Mutant Mayhem.
1: Boys,
2: where have you been? Woo! We're just running errands. That's it? Oh! Ah! Look, we're really sorry, Splinter. Some of the guys wanted to get pizza, and I tried to talk them out of it. Leo! You ratted us out. Hey, don't use that word that way. I mean, it's 2023. I'm sorry, like, Dad. Hey, guys, if we weren't monsters that were shunned by society and we could do what we wanted, what would you guys do? Go to high school. Maybe get a girlfriend. Can you imagine that? Not likely. This is insane. Turtle, mutant, karate teens. I want to know everything about you. Our dad is definitely not a giant rat. That makes me feel like he's a rap. Police are baffled by the recent crime wave led by a superfly. Nobody's ever seen his face. Why? Because he kills everyone who does. Whoa. Whoa. Oh. No, not cool. Uh, a bit cool.
0: Okay, that should have been some of the trailer for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. Between the cartoon series, the movies, comics, and direct-to-video movies, we've never really been without some version of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles since its debut in the 80s as a parody of Daredevil created by Peter Laird and Kevin Eastman. After the unfortunate failure of the live-action take Out of the Shadows, Seth Rogen, Evan Goldberg, and Middles vs. Machines co-director Jeff Rowe delivered a convincing pitch to put the Turtles in a new dimension. While not the first CG animated effort, this take focuses on the Turtles' as actual teenagers, complete with an artistic style suggesting concept art as conceived by kids doodling in high school. Along with that, the plot features Splinter and his four ninja kids taking on a bevy of mutated animals. Scott what has been your
2: relationship with the turtles, and what do you think of this film? Mostly platonic. <laughs> um, no, I, I, you know, I'm of the age where I thought the '80s cartoon show was really neat for its time. Obviously, it's, I mean, it's having rewatched it several years ago when the DVDs were coming out. It's like uh, it's nostalgia. Um, I haven't. Uh, I think the 1990 Ninja Turtles movie, the first one, is still one of the best comic book superhero movies ever made. And it has aged incredibly well Just as a good, fun Well-made, kid-friendly But not stupid Action comedy Um, I thought The other two sequels were meh I thought the 2007 Movie was meh I thought the first Paramount Live-action reboot movie was terrible But I thought Out of the Shadows Was quite delightful And it was one of those examples of what I like to call the Tomb Raider trap Which is where a well-hyped franchise film is a hit despite being lousy and then the superior sequel bombs because nobody liked the first one. Um, I have not seen all that much of the gajillion cartoon sh- uh, shows that have followed since the 1980s show, which, by the way, ran for 200 episodes up until 1996. Mm. Um, the CB- you know, I ran on CBS for like eight years after the original you know, 65-episode run that most people remember. Um But so, yeah, one of the things I I think is interesting about Ninja Turtles, and I'm not the first person to say this, is that it's never really gone away. And when it comes back, it is a genuine reboot that is aimed at new young fans first and nostalgic adults second, if not a distant third. So this new version of Ninja Turtles is very much... You know if you like the property great come on have fun but it's not for you it's for your kids and if you have a problem with that go see something else um and i think that's to its strength this film i found relatively delightful um it is funny it is clever it is visually imaginative um and it does has just enough slightly unexpected plot turns at least for this genre And without going to details, it ends in a status quo that I don't think I've ever seen in the property over the last 40 years or so. So, and the highest compliment I can give to it is that there is a mid-credit cookie tease in terms of what's coming next. And this film is good enough to think, yes, I do want to see how that story plays out in this specific incarnation of this franchise.
0: I agree with you on for the most part here, my Turtles uh, fandom comes largely from, yes, the cartoon series when I was young, but also that first movie specifically, you know, there is enjoyment I get out of Secret of the U's, but that's primarily based on the fact that, hey, this was fun when I was young. Uh, But that first one really does hold up well. I agree with you. I watched it recently and it's just like it's a it feels like a movie (laughs) that has like stakes and characters and like the effectiveness of the costumes is impressive when you consider that Batman can barely move, but you have four turtle characters that are <laughs> doing somersaults and flips. And it's like, yeah, how does one work and the other doesn't? I don't exactly understand that. Um, But yeah, I, I certainly, you know, I appreciate turtles. I like the fact that it's held on to pop culture and the way that it has, even if I'm not like specifically delving into that pool every now and again. And I really did like Out of the Shadows quite a bit. I thought that was a really fun movie, uh, despite the fact that those turtles... Looks super ugly, but the effects <laughs> are great. Like ILM did the they did the job, so it's yeah. like it's hard to fault it for looking as good as it does at a time when visual effects are not nearly as good as they were years ago. For some reason, uh, on average, which is bizarre to think about. All of that said, Mutant Mayhem. Keeping in mind that I really like the 1990 movie, I think this is my favorite Turtles movie. Um, uh, I have issues, but I have issues with any Turtles movie because they're movies about painted turtles. Uh, but this one. For whatever flaws I can find, I so appreciate the dedication to. We're making a movie that's emphasizing all of the points named in the title: Teenage Mutant Ninja <laughs> Turtles. Um, it, this is very much a movie about teenagers. It is about mutants. It's about ninja action sequences and about turtles. Like it's about all of those things in ways that I really appreciated. You have actual teenagers voicing the voicing the cast, and they're recorded together. Um, And you very much feel the kind of spontaneity and the fun in their voices uh, throughout the film. Honestly, while the action is very good and the the banter of them alone is like worth watching this movie for, because they are just genuinely fun to be around Um, the the the, you know, the the mutant aspect of this, which supplies the fuel for the plot is also fun. You have, you know, the fact that Paramount like figured, okay, if we don't do certain things that we normally do in Turtles movies, what if we just got a lot of like the fan favorite characters from the comics and cartoons and put like this mass you know, Seth Rogen calls out all of his friends and has a like, huge voice cast. It's fun. Like, it, it, I like that the film is not devoted to like, we need to make sure to give all the mutants, you know, giant backstories. Like, we don't just like a cavalcade of mutant characters that just have like Paul Rudd and John Cena and Rose Byrne, post Malone like I'll just like jump in for like a few lines here or there and I think that's pretty effective I do think the story it's trying to tell is a bit thin for a 90-minute movie there's not a lot of meat there beyond they want to accomplish a certain thing and it's going to lead to a big battle but the journey to get there and the results of it I think are quite effective like I, I and there's a little sub-theme involving Jackie Chan as Splinter, who's great. Maybe one of his best performances, honestly. Like, his vocal performance here. after You know, after years where he's making Rush Hour movies where he's being, like, fed lines he doesn't understand, he has, like, genuine emotion as, you know, <laughs> an English-speaking rat character in this movie that I, like, I quite liked. But there's a whole theme about him being prejudiced against humans, and rightfully so, uh, given the backstory that we get from him. That I think justifies itself and resolves itself quite well. I I like so it's like whatever it's lacking as far as having a meteor story to delve into a narrative, I do think the character work here for the ones that matter, which is basically him, the turtles, and April, um, I think that stuff works really well, and um, we haven't even talked about like the style of this movie, but it looks amazing. I really love the look of this movie, like whether or not it's directly inspired by Spider Verse. Or like stop motion films. It certainly seems to have like those elements attached to it. It just works. Like I really appreciate that it has this unique look of concept art. Just like the Spider-Verse films are conceived. But like what if it was like teenagers drawing this. And you have like not only stylization of the characters and what have you. But like even the backgrounds. Like you have like looks of New York in the background. Like the skyscrapers are like squiggly lined and stuff. Like it has like unique touches in that way that make it feel unlike any other animated made a movie that i've seen. So like there's i think there's a lot to appreciate here. I'm happy that it's making money. I would be surprised if it wasn't just cuz it's so enjoyable. Um but like it has all the just right ingredients I think to make a a fun new take on a franchise that's been around for 40 years
2: at this point. So yeah, good on it. Um yeah, i mean it's 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 you know again there there are nits to be picked. I think the film picks up when they finally actually beat April O'Neil. Um, just because I mean, the discourse changes a little bit, and there's you know, it's, it's, I think she's very funny. I apologize, I don't know the name of the actress, but she's on the bear right now, I think. Yeah, Ayo Itabari. Yeah. Yeah. And she's very funny. Um, and there's a certain droll realism to that work that I was pleased by. Um, and the film isn't necessarily an action film in the conventional sense, but when it chooses action, it delivers. There is a there is a chase scene, a vehicle chase that is propulsive and energetic and exciting, and the the score during that scene is very propulsive. You know, I like you know it's the kind of thing I'd listen to when I'm playing Mario Kart, and that's a compliment. The score um, is
0: wonderful. The, tra- tra- um, um, the nine inch nails, uh, Trent Reznor, Attic is Ross. Yeah, um, I think they do they just once again uh they just seem to like bounce the things like we like this stuff and they've decided to do what Teenage Mutant Digital score <laughs> and it's and it's really yeah. Wonderful. combined and with the 90s, a... the, the 90s hip hop to East Coast hip hop tracks that they're using throughout <laughs> like it's just super fun to just listen to this movie and like by default like if Mark gives any movie with jet skis a B plus any movie that has MOPs anti up as like a recurring theme piece of music that comes up to- I'm just in
2: already so it's like it's it's um, doing a lot in that role, and you know, there's a there's a brief fight scene that was very intentionally the director admitted this online is reminiscent of uh, Old Boy, but mm-hmm. it's terrific in that even if you don't get the reference for whatever reason, it's still a terrific piece of action cinematography on its own. It's got a number of cool um, action scenes like yeah.
0: that, like the stuff of Splinter feels inspired by Jackie Chan moves. Yeah, like it, it's playing with hey, there's objects around me and I'm going to use them in a world where we have Ninja Turtles that have weapons. We're like, well, we're not going to slaughter people of stuff. So. And, yet. <laughs> and yet. And
2: yet Splinter gets some devastating blows in there. That's correct. I'm pretty sure he kills several of those people. <laughs> um, and that's fine. But the, the movie actually, you know, the film doesn't feel oppressively violent, but there is violence when it's appropriate. Sure. Um, and, you know, it's, 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 I think it's PG-13 because everything's PG-13 these days. But if you told me it was PG, I wouldn't have been surprised. Um, and I think the relationship between the turtles it's, it's and Superfly—it's still, still a PG movie. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think the relationship between the turtles and Superfly is was a little surprising to me. I was pleased to see it initially go down that route of, you know, slight spoilers. They encounter the villain, they realize he's a mutant, and he's like trying to befriend them for a while.
0: I and I, like, I would finally have,
2: somebody that understands what I feel. And
0: I'd argue Ice Cube is also giving a pretty strong vocal performance in this. Yes. Movie. Um,
2: no, there are no bad performances in this For picture, sure. but it's and, interesting to see them
0: stand out in ways yeah, yeah. where I like Ice Cube. He's a good screen presence, but I generally don't walk away thinking like, man, what a great performance. But I
2: think he's yeah. generally giving a good performance. Yeah, either. he's, he's, it's always nice when you see a, a quote unquote celebrity that didn't just, oh, voiceover, that's easy. Just come in, in my sweatpants and say a couple of lines and call it a day. Yeah,
0: I think there's good um, work going on. Uh, yeah, I, I would say the same about Paul Rudd. I think he's hilarious yeah. in this movie and he has a lot of like. There's distinctions, which obviously beyond the visuals, but between these mutants. And I think they give Paul Rudd a lot to do that helps him like relate to these characters, the turtles, and you know, somewhat helps at first when it comes to the Ice Cube thing, but also the fact that there's like a, a, a small arc for these mutant characters. Yes.
2: It benefits the um, film. Yeah. yeah. And that's another thing. I mean, very slight spoilers, but yes, you have these big celebrities voicing these fan favorite characters that aren't in it all that much, but without going to details most of them live yeah <laughs> i think that's fair to say you know most of them if not all of them could come back for a sequel um and you know you can you can have them you know interjecting here and there over a series of movies um and you know the 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 heroic finale does something that you know, when Spider Man, Amazing Spider Man, I 1 exactly did it, thought it. It was embarrassing <laughs> and idiotic and pandering and pathetic, but here it works because it's earned. I, I do,
0: I like that this movie has the Spider Man thing of New York matters too, guys. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's it's great. Everyone in New York loves each other. Uh, Calabunga. Um, <laughs> well, let's talk more about the turtles. Um, we have these teenagers uh, Mika Abbey, Shaman Brown Jr., Nicholas Cantu, and Brady Noon all voicing the the various Turtles. Some of them have been in things. Some are fairly new. Um, again, I think they're very fun here. I think they get what they need out of the characters. I like that it's not adhering to, I think, the standards that you get when it comes to Ninja Turtles. Raphael it's is. Not, about that. It is. Raphael is not like a sarcastic jerk guy. He's more of a I- impulsive character. He's not really... He is he's rude, but cool. He's not... He- He's not mean to his brothers any more no. so than any of them are, which is, that's like a nice change of pace. And I also think Don, uh, Leonardo, This might, I think this is the best Leonardo movie we've gotten as far yeah, as. He's he's the he, one that doesn't
2: have a stick up his ass the entire time.
0: Yeah. And he also, he's insecure about being the leader, but he's trying to rise to that challenge. Yes. I don't think the other movies have specifically tackled that in a way that felt significant before. So that's, uh, that, um, that
2: worked for me quite well. And, um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's, you know, we, we all, I imagine anyone walking into a Ninja Turtles movie knows, you know, because of the theme song, which, again, you know, it drives me nuts when some you some know, studio. We're going to spend 90 minutes on an origin prequel for what the theme song did in 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Powerpuff Girls movie, for example. Um, but, and this is one that, you know, it takes what you already know about the Turtles and uses that as, okay, this is where we start. Now, where else can we go? A little bit.
0: I, I do think um, the Jackie Chan narration over the you know the the details we do get about the yes. trilogy, that's very entertaining it's yes. really especially like, cuz they, they that they makes make, sense they make him look younger <laughs> in yeah. their own way which is also really funny how they do that uh but yeah no i i, I agree with you it does give us a kind of status quo from the start and, and you know, we go from there
2: you know i don't know if we want to talk ending spoilers or not and i could be subtle but i really like where this movie ends because it's something that i don't think i've you know, again, I, I, I've seen all the movies. I have I have not seen every cartoon episode. I have not read every comic book. But I don't think I've ever seen a Turtles movie that ends with the status quo that this film sets up. Yeah. Which is very interesting to me. Especially uh, because yeah. there probably is going to be a sequel of some kind. Because it is successful.
0: I agree. I don't know what to expect next in the realm of what the status quo is and how that functions in the rest of this movie. Um but no, it was interesting to see that for sure. Um, where do you think this film falls short? I I am curious. I know you really like the ninety um, the ninety film. Like, where where is this film like not quite measuring up?
2: I and I don't think it was a bad performance, but I think Jackie Chan's work took a little to get it used to for me. Okay, because I thought it was so abrasive. And mm-hmm. but again, it makes sense and it it's fine. Um, I think the first act is a little disjointed but i think once it's once again once they meet april and they go okay here's your journey here's what you're going to be do- you know here's here how and why i think the film is all aces pretty much for the end of the point i think the big the third act has like eight thousand false endings that's fair but again i'm nitpicking sure you know this is why this is not a four-star picture it might have to still three three and a half stars oh no Neither. um And you know, yeah, you know, and you know, you and I talk about this a lot. You know, when I come into a movie that you know it's like that everybody and their mother thinks is great things in sliced bread. It's like, you know, how much time do I really want to spend explaining why it's only a B plus instead of an A minus or an A plus? Fair enough. Do I have nitpicks? Yes. Do I think they matter in the macro sense? No.
0: I agree with you, and that's kind of where I rate it as well. Anyway, I'm just curious where it. Yeah. You know, Um, I
2: still think I like the '90s version better, just because I think that one, you know. A, I'm still astonished by what they did visually and narratively with the limitations, budget and otherwise. And you're right, I mean what? why was this movie that was made for like $13 million in 1990, that had all their characters in giant rubber suits, why does that film have better action than like still 90% of all modern comic book movies?
0: Mm-hmm. It's wild to think about. And yeah. Like yeah, it's splitting And hair. why is it,
2: you know, we talk about Oh, you know, comic book movies that are adult in nature. Why does that film have more grounded and authentic, you know, inter adult slash adult kid relationships than most comic book cinema today?
0: Sure, and yeah, it's splitting hairs for me as far as the best. Yeah. It really doesn't matter because I think to think this. Yeah, it's night like and you know, Spider Verse. You know, is
2: Spider Verse a better movie than Raimi's first Spider Man? Yeah. Do I like Raimi's first Spider Man a little bit more just for various reasons of it's the first, it's, you know, nostalgia, blah blah blah? Yeah, but. Yeah, going to us.
0: Fair, and yeah, this movie, like, there's things I like about it more, and there's things in the '90 movie that I still really appreciate. But regardless, yes, I do think this is just a successful yeah. new version of what we get. And yeah, I mean, whatever issues I might, I can't, I can only hope that the sequel to this, which will very much get,
2: like, do you think it'll be dark and gritty and closely examine the wish fulfillment fantasy of its predecessor?
0: Well done with nine eleven imagery. I am sure. <laughs> yes, um, with
2: post nine eleven discourse. I,
0: yeah, I, I am just, I am just, I am utterly fascinated by what the potential is in the realm yeah. of movies like this that can only seem to capitalize on what they had going for them and expand on them in the future in the same way that, yes, the Dark Knight did. <laughs> let alone, spider, across the Spider
2: Verse. I am just, I. And this is another movie that, yes, there is a mid credit scene, but otherwise it's a complete picture. Yeah, No, if this is the last Ninja Turtles movie we ever get in this universe, okay.
0: Well, I don't think there's anything more to emphasize here that we just really like this movie. It does the job. It's very entertaining. It's
2: unique into itself as far as its looks go. And I think it's interesting that for what it's worth, I mean, you look at these comic book superhero characters that have been rebooted over and over again. Mm -hmm. And Luke mentioned this in his review, and he's right that Ninja Turtles are basically the most successful comic book superhero characters, not DC Marvel that we've ever had. Yeah, and it didn't occur to me till he said that. But it's like, yeah, I can't think. Yeah, pop culture <laughs>
0: recognition. I mean, yeah, you you know what um, you know you 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 probably know more about Donatello the turtle than the you know Renaissance artist. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> but the other thing is, you know, when you think of all these franchises that have been rebooted over and over again, I mean, I think the first Ninja Turtles is awesome. I think After the Shadows is good. I think Mutant AM is very good. And it is unusual, at least I would argue, for this. You have three different franchises with at least one excellent film in each of those.
0: Fair. <laughs> Um, I mean, Spider-Man's run, you know, given that we're the two people that really like Amazing Spider-Man too, it's giving it the run, it's the one,
2: giving yeah. it, it's the competition. But again, I like it, but, you know, it's, it's, it's I, I think both of those are, pro- you know, have issues, and obviously I don't think the Marvel movies, they're fine, but I don't think they're exceptional anyway. Um, And obviously, you know, Superman hasn't had a good film since, uh, I don't know, 1978. Going nineteen eighty one or nineteen seventy-eight? Eighty. Okay, I'll give you eighty. <laughs> <laughs> um
0: <laughs> what other franchises um, have had three multiple iterations at this point? Like Batman, I guess. Yeah,
2: good. I mean, you like the Batman more than I do, and whatever. I'm hopeful this sequel will be good.
0: Um I also didn't find it exceptional either. So I mean that's the other thing.
2: So. Yeah, that's fair. So yeah. Um so, yeah, the, not even Batman, because on that one, you've got you know, whichever one of the Burtons and, and Schumacher films you like best, and then whichever of the, the Nolan ones, you know, you could argue all three of those are exceptional in their own way.
0: Um, I guess it's coming down to if Kingdom but, of the yeah, Planet of the Apes delivers, then. That's that's the way the Apes can deliver. Oh, yeah, the next one. Okay, I was thinking. Yeah.
2: wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> There's okay. one you're forgetting about that is not exceptional.
0: <laughs> well,
2: when did people see Mutant Mayhem? Uh, See it in a theater. See it on a big screen, ideally in a PLF if you could wiggle it because it looks gorgeous. And sit – i normally I'd say sit close to the screen, but honestly, I wish I had slipped slightly farther back so that I could have seen more of the details. But, you know, that's just when I see it again. could do that. Fair enough. Because my couch is unfortunately very far from the television.
0: <laughs> well – I agree. This movie's a lot of fun. I think it's really worth seeing it in the theater. It's good summer fun. It's a good movie. It's a very positive movie. I don't think we talk about the opposite yes. of this movie. It's a very positive film in terms of accepting people um, or mutants or what have you. Um, and it sounds great. Oh my God. It's a chicken sounding <laughs> yeah. movie. Uh, so yeah, there's really a lot of play to recommend. of Teeny Mutant Ninja Turtles, Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem. Alright, well, we reviewed that film. Let's move on. Though. Let's get some I know, feedback. Feedback, 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 where we go over some of the questions and answers on our Facebook page. Facebook.com slash podcast. We have a number of questions to the listeners, and they give some answers. Uh, Scott, feel free to throw in any answers you might have as we go through these here. Sure. First question here. Who is your favorite Ninja Turtle or other characters from this universe? Michael Lee, friend of the show, writes Michelangelo, because he's a party dude. Justin Weatherby writes Donatello, obviously, because he's the nerd I could relate. And Tyler Smith, friend of the show, writes Casey Jones.
2: Um, if we're just talking about the turtles I was always when I was a kid Michelangelo was always my favorite uh but I think cool villains are cool so shredder
0: uh, right um I'm a big Donatello guy that's my yeah preferred least well, the best to play in any of the video
2: games because his, his, you know his, 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 yeah yeah his bow is huge yeah, metaphor uh,
0: Next question <laughs> we have here what are some great films featuring mutant <laughs> animals? Chris Cleveland writes black sheep and zombie Irene Johnson writes the secret of Nim and Annihilation. <laughs> Christopher has food of the gods. Is it mutant but, animals? Yes. Mm. Uh, Philip Annihilation Hurd, is a good one. Yeah. Philip Heard has Pacific Rim, and Michael Lee writes the Island of Doctor Moreau. Ooh. A, a
2: orchard production history aside, I think the first two acts of that are exceptional.
0: It does have good stuff in it and makeup. Yeah, it's got the makeup. On. Um. Yeah, I'll go with Annihilation. Annihilation is a good answer. Mutant animal movies. Um, The uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers for that one scene with the dog. Um, (laughs) That's fair. (laughs) Next question. What are some great films featuring ambitious reporters or journalists? Chris Cleveland writes Nightcrawler. Scott Neil Astor writes All the President's Men. Scott Mendelson writes Nightcrawler. Damn it. (laughs) Christopher Hill has the front page: his girl Friday, Ace in the Hole, Batman, the Bang Bang Club, Veronica Guerin, Superman the movie, and Man of Steel. Um uh, Luke Thompson writes: "Pump up the volume, pump up the volume, dance, dance." Philip Reherd has Zodiac and the French Dispatch. Those about great ambitious um,
2: orders. Obviously, all of those are, I mean, give or take the Superman movies, but I that's a discourse for another day. Okay. Um, I, I will say that one thing I do like about Dawn of Justice is how much journalism there is in that movie. Oddly enough, especially the extended cut.
0: Um, Except that Lawrence Fishburne, every step of the way, is like, Clark, you can't just write about Gotham City. That's
2: ridiculous. <laughs> Your beat is here. Hey, I, I can certainly relate to that more now than I did then about that. <laughs> um you have an empty page, <laughs> damn it, We need words to fill that page. <laughs> <laughs> um... But yeah, obviously, I think Nightcrawler is one of the best movies of the last decade, the previous decade. Um, I assume somebody said Spotlight. Um, no Ace one said in the Spotlight, hole.
0: but you can say Spotlight for sure. Ace, Ace in the Hole? Ace in the Hole is great, yeah. Um, just,
2: let me think.
0: Uh, trying to think of more movies with people who were in the movie. Hap- Parallax View. Right? Yeah, View. He was a journalist, right? Parallax View, yes. Yeah. 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 Um, what a happy I'm movie. sure there's a thousand that I'm forgetting. Okay. Oh, yeah, but still, those are good answers. Next question. Who are your favorite cinematic rodents? Scott Neil Rouse writes Willem Dafoe as Rat in The Fantastic Mr. Fox. Philip Hurt has Mr. Jingles in The Green Mile. Michael Lee has The Singing Mice from Babe. Irene Johnson has (laughs) Remy from Ratatouille. And Todd Libanel has Rizzo from The Muppets. Those
2: are all excellent choices. I'm only going to add The Mouse from Mouse Hunt. (laughs)
0: i'm happy we got such a variety of rodent choice. i was worried that we yes. wouldn't get too many options here but we gotta every single answer is different so i'm impressed with the, the the rodent temper. i i will i'll just shout out splinter in the first turtles movie because yeah he's he is wise and <laughs> he's, he convinces the foot clan to go the other way um next film god help me what
2: animal is dustin hoffman in kung fu panda
0: he is um is he, is he he's a bear of some kind is he <laughs> dust it <Hoffman. laughs> was he sifu uh, he's,
2: right if, if he's rounds.
0: he's master sifu is he a red panda master shifu
2: no i, I think he's the only panda. he's a red
0: he's a red panda a red is panda. he yes i will take your word on that i'm looking at it right now he's a red panda it's fair enough like turning red it's different from a different from a standard panda. It's a red panda. Fair enough. And it was like a bear-like thing. Okay. Next question we have here, which is not a bear, but yeah, what's the craziest shark movie you've ever seen? Movie. Uh, Mark Hofmeyer he wrote uh, Shark Attack Three. Colin Megalodon and Chris Cleland has Avalanche Shark or Shark Exorcist. <laughs>
2: I assume the shark's the exorcist. I hope Wendy's not listening to this, or I'm gonna have to end watching several of these.
0: Scott, do you have an answer that uh, maybe coincides with a quote I mean, you were
2: on? Well, uh, are there any sharks in Mega Piranha? Is that the quote you have for Mega Yeah. Piranha? Okay. I thought it was a shark movie. No. Okay. Um, But yeah, the for those who, you know, my first quote on a DVD box was a sci fi channel original called Mega Piranha, which I saw it in early to mid-2010, and at that time was the most entertaining movie I'd seen that year. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's, you know, as as silly as that movie is, is, it's ridiculous. But that's one where I like the human characters. They are fun, and entertaining, and ridiculous. So I'm not just sitting there bored out of my mind waiting for the shark to show up. That's impressive since
0: um, Piranha 3D also came out in 2010, right?
2: Uh, Later, but yes. Mm -hmm. And I think that movie's boring as hell except for the one big scene. Really? (laughs) Yeah, I do. I've only seen it once, but I remember Wendy and I. Neither of us were inter- were impressed.
0: I'm not gonna say it's great art, and it's but it's certainly better than the follow-up movie. Um, the what the, movie? The follow-up, the the second Piranha. Oh, I didn't even movie. see that one. It's it's a, it's a nightmare. nightmare. Um,
2: <laughs> did you have a favorite Shark uh, Crazy Shark movie? Ah, I mean Jaws isn't crazy. I wouldn't even say the Meg is that crazy. No, it's not. Deep Blue Sea is kind of nuts.
0: Yeah, for a mainstream movie,
2: especially. Yeah, for yeah, that's just it. I'm thinking it's probably some random directed video I've never even heard of.
0: Fair enough. Um, I mean, the Sharknado movies all suck, but you know. I think there's some genuine stuff in the first one. That's like, all right, you got the things that we're yeah, when they, there's, you know, there's they're only a little that. bit self-conscious. Well, they like John Heard shows, they like, there's characters in that movie. <laughs> but uh, all right, um, next question: Who's your favorite cinematic scowler? Um, Jason Sand likes to scowl a lot in movies. Uh, Scott Neil Asseter has Clint Eastwood, of course. Any others? Any other scowlers? I'm
2: thinking. Um, Blanchette comes to mind. She can scowl, she um, does sometimes. Tilda Swinton always makes me feel judged. <laughs> um, um, let's see. Obviously, Eastwood. Obviously, Statham. Obviously,
0: uh... I'm gonna yeah, th- those are the ones that come to mind. I'm going to throw one at you because it's more comedic, but I think Eddie Murphy knows how oh, to yeah. scowl in a funny way where he can yeah. he can take a beat, scowl at you, and then say something. It'll be, like, the funniest thing. Like, and obviously, least... Nick
2: Nolte is an all-time growler. Nick, <laughs> Nick Nolte. <laughs> um... Yeah, I'm gonna go with those. Okay. Um, last question. We didn't get
0: any answers to this one, but are there any international stars who haven't hit big in America that you'd really like?
2: Um basically anyone that I've seen in the various Indian action films that I'm trying to catch up on. Oh, for know, sure. Tiger, you know, Tiger, whatever it is you know, I'm gonna hell for not knowing these people's names, but you know, Tiger off I think it's his name, the guy that was in Bataan, which do you ever actually watch Bataan? Oh, yeah, I saw Bataga on the Oh, yeah. The oh, right. yeah. <laughs> I loved it. Uh, um, yeah, that, that guy. Yeah. He, uh... Um, And the tiger guy, he looks a lot like a young Sylvester Stallone. I can so see that. All right. I, I was curious. To, you know, I, at one point, he was involved in like a remake of First Plum, but I don't know if anything ever came of that.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Might have been a COVID casualty, pardon the expression
0: um well yes the stars of rr for sure but like yeah. I, if anything i want anything but them to be involved in hollywood movies because they just won't be able to shine <laughs> nearly as well as
2: they have elsewhere um, um and obviously if wu jang wants to wu jing wants to be in hollywood that's his prerogative but he certainly doesn't need it
0: yeah um i think uh Iko Uwais, who was in the raid films, yeah. he's had a number of Hollywood movies, but I certainly wouldn't say he's necessarily the highlight so far, unless expend 4 bulls makes a difference for me. Um, I'm
2: pretty sure expend 4 Bulls will be expend 4
0: Yeah, but um, I, you know, I, I, he, I wouldn't say he's hit big in America in that sense. He got to, he got to stand in the Force Awakens, of course, as we all memorably remember. So that yes. was something. Uh, really did him a favor there, JJ. That's when that movie
2: started to really lose me.
0: <laughs> but. Um, yeah, there's plenty of international stars out there, of course, that,
2: you know, um, see what happens. No, and I, I think as long as there's a thriving marketplace in their respective country, if they want to come to Hollywood, great, awesome. Not again. They want to stay local nice. and make their own stuff? As long as I can see them, I'm happy. Yeah, that works.
0: Well, that was feedback. Feedback, feedback. And that's going to bring us to the end of this week's episode of Out Now there Internet. Aid. You can find more of my work by personalbottakotazik.com. Everything I do ends up over there. I write for legalentertainment.com and YSA Blue. Um, I am a part along with Scott as well as Brandon. The Summer of 93 at 30, which is part of the Brandon Peters Show, is a fun podcast where Scott, Brandon, and I all talk about the summer movie lineup from 1993. That's currently underway. Episodes dropping weekly there. And I am on Twitter slash X at AresBS4. Scott Mendelsohn, where can people
2: find more of you? I am at therap.com, and I'm still on Twitter or X or whatever the hell it's called this week. I'm technically at Blue Sky, but let's be honest, until that becomes busier, Twitter, it is. I think the notion that we were all going to desert Twitter that one weekend is was an illusion. Uh, you can find all the other episodes out now on
0: iTunes, AudiBoom, Spotify, and Stitcher. Feel free to email us at gmailpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at all various versions of outslash out now underscore podcast. Um, again, iTunes abbreviated iTunes ratings. Good to get those. Helps out the show. And uh, yeah, Scott, thank you very much for joining me to discuss uh, these movies. You're very welcome. This was fun. Thanks again to Mark Hoffmeyer for joining us for the Meg 2, as well as bringing that game. Uh, Next week, we'll be talking Last Voyage of the Demeter. Spoiler, it's Dracula. The latest Dracula film from Universal this year. And, uh, yeah. Got nowhere to go but up. (laughs) But um, that is going to do it for this week's episode. So until next time, so long and goodbye.
2: Can I kick it? To all the people who can quest like a tribe does. Before this, did you really know what i was? Comprehend to the track, force why? Cuz getting mentions on the tip of the vibe buzz. Rock and roll to the beat of the funk
1: fuzz. Wipe your feet really good on the rhythm rug. If you feel the urge to freak, do the jitterbug. Come and spread your arms if you really need a hug. Afrocentric living is a big shrug. I like
2: feeling. Phil-